Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. And we're back. On Jan- we're recording this. I don't know when you're hearing it, but it is January 20th, 2021. Uh, a pretty historic day. Yeah. Uh, All around. It's, uh... it's a new day in America, Noah. Yeah. A brand new day in America. It's the it's the 20th anniversary of Donnie Darko, of course. Yes. Came out 20 years ago. Today. Today. Yeah. Wow. January Funny. 2001. Funny you should mention Dump that. month. Dump month. Dump month. How did I miss that one for dump month? There you go. Wow. That's why it tanked at the box office. Uh, yeah. Boy, David Lynch. Mm-hmm. 75th birthday. Oh. No big deal. No Another big deal. Aquarius like me. Yeah. So, big day. That's yeah. all that happened today. No, big that's it. <laughs> yep. David Lynch had a birthday. I had a really easy day at work. I yeah. got sent home early because it was so slow. Yeah. I think people might have been out celebrating something. I'm not sure though. Yeah. I mean I was busy all day at work. I could barely I didn't know I didn't know what else was going on, but there was a lot of people coming in. I don't know if people were worried about the markets, money, <laughs> I don't know what the deal was, but uh pretty standard day at work. Yeah. Wasn't sure what else might be going on in the world on January twentieth. No, it's about eight days from my birthday though. That is true. So I did get a nice little uh, early birthday present, apparently, yeah. from what people were saying. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking yeah. about, but, you know. All right. The most important thing, obviously, you without watched, question. You watched Den of Thieves. Yeah, I did. <laughs> the most important thing is the return of 2 by 2 Retro Review. Right. I mean, that The moment today. everyone's been waiting for. Right. You clamored for it. Mm-hmm. You begged us right. so many emails. Bring it back, guys. The best... The best segment in the history of the show? I think so. Is that the best idea we've you know ever what I'm thinking? had? <laughs> I'm thinking they didn't hear that episode where we were like, look, we're not bringing it back if Biden doesn't win. <laughs> because I don't we think... Did, we definitely threatened that. We did. And run somewhere in the rerun the jewels, I'm yes, sure. Yeah, we heard it. Right. It was like on the, one of the last ones right before the election. We were like, yeah, if, no. If you want it, yeah, yeah. you got you to gotta go blue. The people have spoken. Yeah, Atlanta flipped. This whole state, yeah, we you know, a bunch of other states flipped, and it's all blue, baby. Yeah, dude, where's Eiffel sixty five at the inauguration? What, Lady uh, Gaga? What? What about Garth? Garth was there. Oh, okay. He got a lot of flack. You know why? I didn't. I didn't know this. He got a lot of flack for hugging Obama after the after the show after he performed Amazing Grace. Oh well, how dare he? Yeah. His 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 core base. They were like, how dare you? Because they're all conservative and whatnot. But people forget Garth's not a country guy. He's a music guy. He's country you see and what rock you and don't roll. understand about Garth Brooks. <laughs> he's country and, and he's rock and roll. He's Donnie and Marie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. That beer a little so extra yeah, loud. That happened uh, just to set you know for posterity's sake. That's where we're at when we're recording this. It's uh, about ten forty-one in the evening. You know, just getting into the groove. <laughs> All is quiet in the cabin. I just like to remind people that, yeah, you drive down here to to yuck it up yeah. for you <laughs> know, two-hour chunks, and then, yeah. you, and then you drive back. You spend more time on the road than you do on the pod, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Eventually, we were talking about this. People want it. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll just start doing Zooms, and we'll videotape the whole thing, and you guys can look at us. Maybe. I have to, like, you know, do hair and makeup Ooh. beforehand. We would have to go orange ourselves. Make the light look it better. It could be really fun. You know, we wear costumes. 
I mean, I wore a top on hat that one time. Yeah. Remember I sent you that picture? You're like, why aren't we recording this? Like, why aren't we videotaping this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and get us back on track. Two by two retro review. Is that what we're doing? I, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little what we've been watching. It's only been one As of the things. tradition. You got one thing? One thing. We'll, we'll do that, and then we'll get into the episode proper. We hope you watch the movies. If not, you know, you're probably going to tune out, or you probably didn't even click on the episode. You probably were like, The Pledge? And the, Den of, pledge, the Pledge? And Den of Thieves? What is retro about Den of Thieves? I don't understand. But maybe you're perplexed enough to like give this a listen. So hopefully we're not boring you so far, but let's do a little what we've been watching, uh, whatever that may be for you. I Mine is very brief as well. And then we'll we'll get into it. We'll flip a coin and see which one we're doing first, etc. Okay. Uh, yeah. What have you been watching? Literally just the leftovers. I have like oh, you three episodes. Well? Yeah, I have three episodes left. When did you start? Restart the start day after rewatch. we recorded last. Okay. I knock them out, son. I, I thought no I was knocking them out the box. Where you at now? Um, what's that? Where you at now? What are you? What are you? What, what episode you at? I got two left in season two. Oh, okay. You're just blazing right by. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Australia. Yeah. I just got done with Scott Glenn walk around Australia. I, I, I must say, I had one of the the best evening, you know, an engineered evening of TV watching, but probably about as good as it gets. It just so happened that uh, episode eight of Twin Peaks The Return was on the docket. For my evening viewing with Veronica. Mm-hmm. So that's the God of Light episode to refresh your memory. Right. Kevin. Uh, arguably, like maybe the best hour of television ever produced. Uh, second, oh, or right up there with it, is episode Assassin. eight of season two, International Assassin, which was where I was at in the leftovers that same evening. Sometimes synergy just comes through for you. But yeah, so I got to watch basically two of my favorite episodes of television. Back to back, uh, two nights ago. Yeah, hmm. good times. Indeed, good times. I didn't time it well. I probably should have watched episode eight of Peaks on on Linda's birthday, but or it will be on episode ten, I believe. Oh, turning the corner a little more than midway through. This is our third time through uh, total. I'd have to go back. I only watched it once as it's, it was aired. It's just it's the best. It's my favorite thing. And I forget the order that things happen in every time I watch it because mm-hmm. the season's so goddamn long. Yeah, and I, that's part of why I love it. But yeah, it's like oh, we haven't even we haven't even seen Audrey Horn yet. No, that hasn't even happened yet. Uh, stuff like that, though, where I'm just like, yeah, but what else is left to happen? Because so much has already happened. But yeah, Dougie's edging edging closer Hello. to being you know yeah he's he's well past mr jackpots but he's still not all there yet uh yeah fucking jim Belushi Ice spike and... just got apprehended in the last episode we watched okay you know after they found his palm hmm. a chunk of his palm at the, at the crime scene uh yeah we seen nobody nobody cares have we seen laura palmer's mom yet one time. One time. But yeah, we haven't even gotten into all of that. Yeah. Do you really want to fuck with this? Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah. No, so so many more uh, wonderfully strange things to get to with that one. Again. See, I like to think that the leftovers might have brought that out of David Lynch. Like, yeah, he had it in him. But like seeing how great the leftovers was on HBO, he's like, I got to do, I got to get this done. I also would not be shocked if he's like never heard of it and doesn't know what it is right. at the same time. 
but clearly Lindelof oh, heavily yeah. influenced in the opposite oh, direction. Of One of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever listened to is him freaking out about the finale of Twin Peaks The Return, hmm. which aired the same year as Leftover Season 3. Oh, yeah, there that's right. Go. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually I'm going to line it up because I will be basically finishing both the around full the series day, yeah. of The Leftovers and The Return around the same time at the pace we're going right now. So those are my big TV ones right now. Started watching Toast of London. It's an older show. Matt Berry from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Hmm. It's uh, I think it was Channel 4 or BBC. I'm not sure. It, it's funny. We're enjoying it. Watched a couple so far. That's really it on the TV front. I have one rewatch and I have one new movie uh, that is not the one that we're going to discuss here in a minute. Do you want the new or the old? Give me the old. The Crow. Oh, yes. Veronica had never seen it. Really? Yeah. I may have overhyped it a bit. I don't Probably. know. But uh, that was the first time I've watched the Blu-ray copy that I've had for like a couple of years now. It's just been sitting on the shelf. Never, never It's like the it white out. cover with the face and yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love it. Still holds up for me. There's, you know. It's a little rough around the edges in some parts, but that's part of the charm. Love the whole vibe, the look of it, everything. No, I mean, no real deeper thoughts on it other than I still I'm glad that that Momoa uh, reboot re, or you know second adaptation did not end up going through because I still never understood that casting. Me neither. I mean, I could have gotten behind I, the kid for the guy from uh, Fast and Furious. The Englishman. I could get behind that, but just not Jason Momoa. Possibly. He's too big. He's just too big. Yeah. Like physically and star power wise, he's right. too big. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, it did lead me down the rabbit hole. Of course, I looked, I, I IMDb'd all of the sequels. The two? Yeah, I haven't watched three. It's three. And then three sequels. Do you remember this television series with Mark Dacascos? That's what I'm thinking of. Why I did I think completely he... forgot about that? I, com- I watched the trailer for it and I was like, okay, this looks like the first season would at least be like a straight retelling of the movie. And then where does it go from there? Or is it a two season arc of like finishing all of this off? He I is Eric Draven start... in that though? Like, yes. Is it... Yeah. No, it's like the, you know, a, a retelling of the, of the movie. And you know, I was one. thinking the other day about him. I was thinking about like, there was some movie I saw that was coming out soon with him with it. He's in a trailer for Mark Dacosco. Yeah, it's like he's fighting some kind of something. I feel like he's, you know, he's still been around for right. a while, but he definitely got a bump off of uh, John Wick 3. This is definitely course. something in that vein because it's almost kind of like his daughter's being kidnapped or something's going on with her. He's got to fight somebody. I don't know. But I kept thinking, like, you know, he would have made a really great crow in the 90s. And he, in fact, did and play I, the crow. And I completely forget, I forget television. that that even happened. And looking at that, I was like, no, that's almost how I would like to see it, mm-hmm. is do it as a an HBO or a Netflix series, go hard R with it, obviously, mm-hmm. go closer to the comic book, because that's the other thing, is I started, like, I did the Wikipedia deep dive on, like, okay, well, what's the differences, and what got left out, what got changed, all of that stuff, did the IMDb trivia, etc. Because I've seen it a billion times, but I've never gone down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole. And it's just that she gets hit by a drunk driver, right? Well, there's, they get, they don't go heavy on like the, she was raped and tortured. It was just, they killed her. It's something of that nature, but it's still like, it happens roadside. Like you said. Yeah. Cause his, his real but life girlfriend got the hit, one, hit the by main a drunk element driver. 
that I hate that was cut out. This uh, cowboy head or cowboy skull, mm-hmm. something like that, which Michael Berryman, I guess, shot footage for. Mm-hmm. But be- because of the untimely death of Brandon Lee, some stuff was not like didn't work. They had to shuffle it around. They added the narration, etc. But the whole concept of if he does something outside of his revenge, if he tries to do anything other than just that purpose that he's there for, mm-hmm. his powers start to diminish. Right. That whole angle, I was like. Dude, it's kind of there in the movie, but it's obviously not explored like it would have been if you had those scenes. But right. I was like, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, you could make this more of a limited series. Mm-hmm. First season is a retelling of the core like graphic novel, the original story. And then you leave the opening to like continue it on past then with whatever other lore you introduce. But that's how I would like to see it, not another film adaptation because... Rewatching this, I'm like, it still holds up. It's a good movie. So if you're gonna do, I don't need a, I don't need a reboot of it. No. Just if you want to explore the world, let's do it in a series. I can't I, believe I'm saying that, but yeah, I'd rather see the the TV series. And honestly, than a, I, uh, I another and, movie. The, and the thing is, I like um, City of Angels as a. Hey, the crow is just going to any person like that has a terrible tragedy befall them. It will help right now. So do it doesn't need to be Aaron yeah. Draven every single time, you know, because I don't know if Obar ever made anything other than that original graphic novel run. I don't think he kept writing stories. It was right. just like, hey, my girlfriend got hit by a drunk driver. I'm a really good artist. Let me pour my heart and soul into this thing and put it out to the world. And people loved it. And from there, you have City of Angels, Wicked Prayer. Salvation. Salvation with Eric Malvis. And then, yeah. And what, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Edward Furlong, I just. They drove it into the ground. Yeah. But and, and very quickly. I mean, not mm-hmm. they didn't even wait that long. But. See, and I see, that's the thing, because I'll give it, I'll give you this. City of Angels is. Up there with the first one on on par with like the the world building. I need to give it a shot. It's it's worth it. I would give it. A, I really would give it a shot just for the Iggy Pop of it all because he's just fucking, he's loving it. Supposed to be in the first one. Came across that in my trivia. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the Crow, okay. uh, a movie that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. What year anniversary would it be for that? Twenty six, something like that. Yeah, it'll be coming up on twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, okay. New movie. Don't know if you caught this one. It's available on Amazon Prime for everybody. Uh, it's technically a 2020 release. One Night in Miami? Mm-hmm. No? Didn't check it out? No. Directorial debut of Miss Regina King. Okay. Of Leftovers and Watchmen fame. And, yes. you know, Academy Award winner for Beale Street. Yes. Uh, she's she's one of the best. Fucking Jerry Maguire, dude. She oh, should have won dude. Best Supporting for that, probably. Yeah, she should have. So good. Uh directorial debut Hmm. it's based on a play it is based on a true event these guys were together in the same space for one night apparently but we don't know what actually happened malcolm x muhammad ali muhammad ali okay i've seen trailers jim brown yes and sam cook wow okay it's as good as it sounds and she first who okay unknowns or we got people playing people no, I mean, no, knowns. I, I do need help with the names. 
the gentleman playing Malcolm X was on High Fidelity. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Let me let me grab my phone. Unless you want to pull this up, I'm trying yeah, to charge one, my one my night phone in Miami. Let me get one night in Miami. Yes, I can tell you, uh, Sam Cooke is played by Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton. I type in one night and it's in Bangkok. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Your phone knows you too well. Hey man, one night in Bangkok in the hard man. <laughs> makes the hard man humble. It does make the hard man. To say? Yeah. Yeah. There's not much between despair and ecstasy. Do you have it pulled up? Hang on. I've got the IMDb up. <clears> All right. <throat> who we got? You want to know who plays who? Malcolm X? Yes. Kingsley something? Ben Adair. I did get the Kingsley part, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Cool. Uh, he was on High Fidelity. That's what I know him from mainly. I believe he's British. Uh, he's fantastic. Obviously, you know, nobody's Denzel, but what are you going to do? He was really good. Aldous Hodge is Jim Brown. You know Aldous Hodge from a few things. He's fantastic. Probably the most understated of the bunch, which makes sense because it's Jim Brown. Where do I know him from? Uh, he was just recently in that series with Kevin Bacon that mom is watching, uh, City on a Hill. He's the... MC Wren. MC Wren in Straight Outta Compton, of course. And you know what? He was ju- what I just watched that he was in? What's that? He was Jesus. Okay. His nephews in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, that's right. He yes. was one of the little... I did yes. not... I had He's no idea. He's the older of the two kids in that. I forgot about him. Yeah. Okay. Invisible Man. That's what I watched him in last year. He, Which I, I still loved him have in that, dude. Yeah, he was great. Watch. There we go. Okay. Yeah, he was great in that. Tell me Muhammad Ali, because he was an unknown to me. I think he's been in some TV, but I I don't think anything high profile movie wise. Actually, in this movie, he's Cassius Clay. Excuse me. Yes, this is excuse Eli... me. This is the night like he he changes his name basically. Right. Like, this is right after he wins the first the championship the first time basically or the belt. Eli. It's Gore with an extra E. I don't know how you pronounce that. Gory? I think Gore. Eli Gory, I guess. Yeah. Eli Gory, yeah. Uh, really saw, again, filmically, to compare it to, like, I guess, Will Smith. I think it's on par, if if not better. I don't know. And it's capturing, like, a very particular period of his life, obviously. And then, like I said, Leslie Odom Jr. to me was the standout as Sam Cooke. Because, obviously, we know he can sing from Hamilton. I did not know he had this like dramatic depth to him as an actor. I guess I should have also known that from Hamilton because there's a ton of like that. Oh, okay, baked Red, in there. Red Tails. Okay, but yeah, that's the other one he was in. All right, I think you will enjoy it. I will just for as that. As far as yeah. as far as the play to movie adaptations I've seen this year, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I also thoroughly enjoyed, which is on Netflix. Uh, this one is definitely far more like cinematic, even though it does eventually, you know, at the end of the day, it's a conversation piece between these four like different figures and their thoughts on the issues of the day and it's it's pretty fantastic i really enjoyed it and it's available for everybody amazon prime check it out yeah i think i'm gonna have to that looks pretty interesting i like i said i saw the trailer and i was like oh oh okay this looks interesting there you go. yeah well you should actually sit down and watch it i think it and will. then maybe we can talk about it in depth but yes it is technically a 2020 movie so it will be competing for oscars in the upcoming ceremony, which I believe has now moved to April, I think. January, February, March, April. Yeah. I thought the Uber Rich already had their vaccine, so I, maybe they're just waiting. I don't know. I think they still have to like make sure that everybody has, has actually been able to see some stuff. That too. I think that's a big part of it. Okay. 
Any anything else you want to talk about up top? Yeah, literally, dude. I watched a ton of leftovers and these two movies. Clearly, a ton of leftovers. Mm-hmm. If you've got that far, congratulations. I can't just what you can't just watch one a night. You got. I mean, you got to keep seeing. Where... I agree. Best thing of the last decade, dude. Seriously, best thing of the last decade. Best new show, yes, because that alleviates it. Because Twin Peaks: The Return is technically season three. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. I get you. But new property that has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, I would one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Okay, where is my kid? So who who you want? You how you want to do this? You want to go? You want to talk to Pledge first? You want to talk to Blend of Thieves? How are you feeling? I mean, I could talk about the Pledge right now because I actually <laughs> was like, maybe it is a a, a flawed masterpiece. <laughs> but I'm just having. I'm trying to. It's <clears throat> it's a war inside of me to try and remember in what context I originally viewed this and what I thought actually happened in the movie. Because in my head, seeing this one, I did, he opens that door at the church and like, he deals with the fallout of something terrible he's done. And that's that. Like I missed that gap. So it's like, Oh Jesus. Oh! And then he's just by himself. And I'm like, Oh wow. Crazy. It's like, I had a weird gap. Okay. Like I just lost it, so I could do that, or we could talk Den of Thieves. What, Let, what are you more excited let's to talk do, about? Let's do the pledge up top. Okay. Um, in true, the first one was Night Moves and then Excessive Force, right? Right. I feel like this is a good pairing on that front too, because again, not only the parallels between the pledge and and Night Moves, but also the parallels between Den of Thieves and uh, Excessive Excessive Force. Force. One of oh god, what a classic! What Did we decide Excessive classic. Force was better than Cracker Jack? A hundred percent. Right. Okay. It's like the Godfather compared to Cracker Jack, dude. Yeah. And Cracker Jack was still a fun time, but oh, it yeah. is just such a straight diehard ripoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's do the pledge, dude. Let's All right. take the pledge. Body of a young girl has just been found. She was a second grader. I guess that put her about seven and a half, eight. Who did this? We intend to find out. Do you promise me that you will? Yes, Mrs. Larson, I... I promise. Sherry, for Christ's sake, you're retiring. Well, I'm trying to fit all the pieces together, fill in the gaps. You did have a daughter that went missing three years ago, didn't you? Thought you were supposed to be fishing. Need more time on this. No offense, but you're retired. You don't work here anymore. Jenny drew a picture of a giant. She called him the wizard. He was as big as a mountain. I have reason to believe that she was meeting with this man seen here. And you see this big black car? Come on, Jerry. You gotta start getting on with your life. I made a promise, Eric. You're old enough to remember when that meant something. Beautiful little girl. Oh, thank you. She'll be eight next month. Humor me, Doc. I need to know who I'm looking for. You could expect another incident within a matter of months. I think it might be best if you and the girl stayed out here with me for a while. I want you to promise me something. If anybody tries to talk to you, I want you to tell me. Five. Oh. Do you promise me that you? I promise. I met the wizard today. There's no wizard, Jerry. You don't know what you are dealing with here. 
Where's Chrissy? This guy is real, and I know it. Chrissy! I made a promise. I intend to keep it. 2001's The Pledge, directed by Sean Penn, starring Jack Nicholson, Robin Wright Penn yes. at the time, uh, Aaron Eckhart, Benicio Del Toro. I'd say cameo, Benicio, but yeah. Is it? It's two scenes, and it's a very integral character. So I, I don't know where we draw the line at cameo. I don't know. Definitely, we you know, he's making all the choices. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, we'll save some of the cast reveals for as we go. If you're not familiar with The Pledge and you did not rewatch it, the basic plot. Uh, I need my phone. Yeah, get your phone. I mean, the basic plot is that on the eve of his retirement... What's his name again? That's why I Jack, wanted uh, to... Play. His name Jack, is Jack Nicholson? Right. To, to be specific? <laughs> yes. Is it Freddy? Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Black. Yes. Jerry Black. Yes. Yes. But on the eve of his retirement, Jerry Black is, you know, he's... I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's I get. A, I've gotten about Schmidt vibes with this one too. This is like about Schmidt, <laughs> but if Schmidt was a if Schmidt was a detective, yes, not whatever he was in about Schmidt, but because um, this as IMDb trivia will tell you, this He's is a two time insurance something like that. Something like that. I just yeah. good evening and you. I just love him <laughs> reading those letters to that child he's sponsoring in Africa. That's my favorite part of that entire Dude, movie. It's great stuff. It is. So anyway, Jerry Black is. At his retirement party when, oh, may, oh my God, you know, hey, well, work never parallel, stops. we've seen something, something's afoot. And this is Nevada. Right. But in shot the, in British Columbia. Yes. <laughs> For budget For purposes. budget reasons. We'll get into the budget issues oh God, <laughs> in yeah. general with the movie. But um, it's Nevada, but it's, it's Reno. snowy. It's Reno. Reno. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, yes. Very snowy, and we see that something's afoot, and there's a young, uh, young guy on a uh, ski mobile. Snowmobile, yeah, yeah, snowmobile. Right. Yes, and he comes across something, but we don't see what it is. But he does see somebody fleeing the scene prior, which, uh, if you can look past all the hair and makeup, that's old Benicio del Toro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're seeing that built up in parallel, and then they get the call. There's been a murder. And who's taking the case? Well, Big Dick Aaron Eckhart. Yes. In full, like, I forget this era, honestly, because I haven't gone back to it in a while. But this Stan. is like, he's His coming. Stan. He's coming <laughs> off of like In the Company of Men, where he really pops, and your friends and neighbors. So these two Neil Labute, like, super dark relationship movies where he just plays like a piece of shit. But he plays it really, really well. And he has, like, this natural, like, movie star charisma, but he just always embraces playing the douchebag so well. And then ultimately, like, does the best version of it in Thank You for Smoking. But this is... But you're also forgetting... What am I forgetting? You're forgetting the fact that he was... What's his... He was George and Aaron Brockovich right before this. Okay, I feel so like I guess that that's is, his first That pop. is like the first, the, like, the oh, big, who's this dude? Yeah. He's the big biker guy that watches her kids. Which, I that's half the reason I watch, I love that movie, is like that character of like, I got my bike, man, I'm this and that. It's like, oh, no, I'm watching the kids. And I'm just, 
all right, just like his his like peak ascension of like badass biker to like now I'm taking care of this woman's kids, right? And I'm kind of involved with her, <laughs> and it is what it is. Just the, the juxtaposition of that, I feel like, is probably why I go back to Aaron Brockovich all the time. So he's the acting officer. So he should take the case, but of course Jack is like, you know. I got a couple hours left before my shift's over. Let me let exactly. me tag along. So they roll out there. They find a horrible, horrible murder scene that thankfully we only see a little bit of. Um, but essentially a young girl has been raped and murdered very, very violently. Nobody's informed the parents yet. Uh, you get the first tip off that like Aaron Eckhart, maybe not the best cop in the world with like, does he know how to interact with like human beings? Cause he just goes up to the, the kid that found the body is mm. like, how you doing son? Like it just, you know, he's got nothing for him basically. Yeah. And nobody wants to inform the parents. As I said, like the local guys don't want to do it. So who ends up doing it? Jacobson. Yes. Patricia Clarkson is the mom. I don't even know if I recognize the father. The father I thought was the dad from, um, Barsty blues as well. They have the the, same I don't face. want your life, Dad. I don't want your life. I guess that's he looked like it. I don't know. Well, let's find out. I don't know if the uh, Jenny Larson would be the last name. The guy's last name, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I um, I'm just scrolling past some of these people, and I'm just like, okay. Michael O'Keith. Michael O'Keith. His face looks familiar. Really fucking familiar. Oh, he was in. Michael Clayton? Oh, holy shit, dude. He's Danny in uh in Caddyshack. Yeah. Oh, you know, the character oh. that nobody really gives a shit the about. One that, the one kind of that like, uh, Chevy Chase is always mentoring or whatever? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's, the, he's ostensibly the lead character of that movie, but nobody remembers right. his whole plot line okay, with well his girlfriend. and you know. He was Fred on Roseanne. He's definitely not the dad from Barcy Blues. I apologize. No um, worries. We figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> the important part of this scene <laughs> is this is where Jerry, Jack, I mean, I, they're going to be interchangeable. Okay? Yeah, we can go back and forth. That's fine. He takes the pledge because Patricia Corkson is like adamant. Promise me you're going to find my daughter's killer. And he, you could tell he doesn't like really want to say this, but it, it's awkward. You can, you can feel the awkwardness. And then she takes it up a notch. She says, do you swear to God on this cross made by the hands of my daughter that you will find her killer? Killer. And Jerry's like, oh, yeah, I guess I I can. And I mean, this sets off the the rest of the movie, essentially. Yeah. They very quickly have somebody in custody. One Mr. Benicio Del Toro, the aforementioned Benicio Del Toro, who is... Supposed to be playing? Is he supposed to be Native American yeah, or like? Native. Yes. Not na- like like maybe like second or third. See, my whole thing is like I think the the, the vibe they were going with was like Native, but like some kind of handicap. So maybe like inbred Native or like something to yeah, the effect of not, like he's just he's not there. It's like not he's explicit. there, but he's not. I mean, he can function. He can drive. Obviously, he drove off from the scene. Right. But he's not like. Aaron Eckhart's feeding him everything. Like that scene is just a little bit goes, too much to like. Before he goes in there, he's like, "I'm gonna get a confession, and I'm gonna do it in record no, time." Like he's such. I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna yes. And he's like pulling his fingers down to be like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna do this." And he's like, "Yeah, he raped the whole." Yes, he's been arrested before for raping 
a child or underage person. But Jerry points out that the age difference. Right. It like she was. 15 or 16 it was something technically like that un, it was like sta- it, did, it was wasn't statutory right because it, it didn't was match up and they were like well rape is rape it doesn't matter like watch this i'm gonna go get this dude right yeah and yeah eckhart basically like talks him into a confession fully convinces him like you murdered you raped and murdered this little girl they essentially get it on tape even though it's like how would this ever stand up in a court of law? Like how, how? If you you have it you have it on video record and like as far as I know you're not supposed to touch anybody that's in handcuffs and you and were he, like almost jerking him off with the like I, isn't did that it, a line? You? you practically jerked him off or you practically gave him a blowjob? What is yeah, he saying? Something like yeah. That. yeah, he does. Yeah. So Nicholson calls him out on and he's saying the whole time he's like he's just saying what you're telling him to say. Like yeah. he's not this is not an actual confession. But all of that basically goes out the window because as they're now processing Benicio, so I love the way this pops off. I thought this was great staging. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm like, there are some choices in this movie. Like, for instance, when the kid sees what he sees with the body, we get the like double whip zoom, mm-hmm. like the push it. And I was like, okay. That Veronica, she only watched like the first 15 minutes. She laughed out loud. She was like, what? What? going on there I was see like, that's why I asked you if this was Sean Penn's first movie you no. said he'd done two more before this yes I feel like this I think is some a, music videos and maybe some documentaries prior as well yeah but didn't he like he went after this it was like a passion project for him wasn't it I think he had been wanting him and Nicholson yeah. I know it said they wanted both wanted to do it and we, we can get into the source material and how it but I feel like once we talk through the movie that'll maybe come into yeah. a little bit more focus okay and out of nowhere, so, when he's being processed, yes, these... out of nowhere, gunshots, and we realize he's being taken in by like one officer. He's gotten the gun loose, and again, shit starts to pop off. They, there's like they're gonna try and shoot him down the hallway, etc. They think he's gonna kill the guard, and of course, he turns the gun on himself and says, "I killed her, I killed her," and blows his brains out. Yeah. So case closed, right? Mm-hmm. Like he confessed. Sort of, he was at the scene of the crime, even though clearly when you see in the opening, like he's running away from what he just saw. Right. Because he's freaking out. Because again, he knows enough to know he's, if he's mentally seen handicapped. There. And he, yeah. they completely coerce him into this and then he murders himself. It's pretty fucked up in yes, general. Indeed. Uh, and getting into already, this will be kind of a running theme, to just like, this is not good police work. No. It's not at all. So. Like we said, case closed, but, but Jerry, you know, he did make a pledge. Mm-hmm. So he just, he can't quite take that vacation to Cabo for fishing. He's a big fisherman, by the yes. way. Can't quite do it. He goes all the way to the airport. Can't, can't bring himself away. So boom, we start, we're immediately into him on his own investigating. And technically other- he's not a cop at this point. But he's investigating just like he would if he were still on the job. Eventually, this builds to him. He talks to like some of her school friends. And eventually he talks to the grandmother. Vanessa first Red kind Grave. of Vanessa Redgrave. Again, this cast is stacked. Dude, this, like when I started yeah. looking at it, I was like, dude, this, you know, small, small budget. And again, we talked about like, you know, that was partly a concern was they had to trim a lot of stuff. And also they had to not shoot Nevada because... You money know, money 
but the people he got to like work for scale or do like, Hey, I'll give you a day rate. Like, mm-hmm. will you come in and play with us? It's or, Jack. And I feel like if you have that, it's like, well, your scene partner is, is Jack Nicholson. Like, you're going to say no to, like, an afternoon yeah, with Mickey, that? Yeah, Mickey like, Rourke, are you going to say no to Jack oh, Nicholson? God. Mr. On the Bound? You don't know? Because, like, they say, hey, talk, after he did this, this. That's in this section as well, right? This is before. Yeah, this yeah. is before he goes back to Sam Shepard, the boss. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Sam yeah. Shepard as the, as the head honcho. Yeah. But, yeah, this era for Mickey Rourke is, like. He's been boxing. He He's swore not an off actor. acting yeah. to go box. Exactly. And people didn't want to insure him or take a chance on him. But Sean Penn, because he had lower budget and thus complete creative control, right. even though, again, he had to make a lot of concessions. Budgetarily speaking, right. this is essentially 100% what he wanted, but it feels unfinished With the money in a way. Got. Yes, it feels unfinished a bit. But like he, brings in, he, he brings in his good buddy, Mickey. Right. And this is kind of meant to kickstart a little bit of career. It really doesn't start happening until Sin City in 2005. And then we're on our way to The Wrestler eventually, where he is Oscar nominated. And there's a lot of momentum behind it. And who beats him? His old buddy, Sean Penn. Yes. <laughs> For playing Harvey Milk. It's like, and hang, it hang on, the, hold up. Ah, it is puts the his hair on his shoulder. Wait a minute. Remember, I I gave you your break, but yeah. So you take this one for the team. I hear Stallone's writing the Expendables. Go, go talk to him. He's like, you already had Mystic River. When am I ever going to get another (laughs) shot? Come on. Yeah. Anyways, interesting trajectory there. But yeah, Mickey Work comes in and really gives 110. Vanessa Redgrave is great, by the way. We didn't really mention that. Gives you, gives you a reason basically to for him to be even more invested in this. Like Mm -hmm. beyond just the pledge to the mother. Now he feels like he knows the little girl a bit more right and under like gets to get a taste of like her life before all of this but in like. talking to mickey rourke that is another victim who just disappeared yes and they never found her right yes that's a related case yes he's got these other related cases he's, he's got another another murder that matches the profile right little young blonde girl same age rape and murder and another girl who is missing in a neighboring county, and he basically starts to piece together a pattern, et cetera, et cetera. He goes in and he takes it to Sam Shepard. He's also got drawings. Oh, dude! From he's the school. holding up the drawing, be like, "This is not a red truck. Look <clears throat> at the black sedan. This tall." Him, him stuttering to remember the girl's name, the classmate's name. Right. All of that stuff feels like I'm like, dude. Is this literally like him fucking up in a take and like you kept it in, or if this is straight performance? This is brilliant. Yes. This is so, like, this guy, he's he's because starting to let a little of the crazy out. And you're starting to see, what you've seen so far is like, this is good detective work. This is the exact opposite of how you guys, remember like, where we totally started shut with this him. down. We start the movie with him sti- sitting alone. This. Just, me. like, kind of talking, jittering himself and just thinking and whatnot. Shaking his head and kind of, like, talking. We can vaguely hear words. But we're like, okay, we hear, what like, is this? She said it. She said it. We don't really know. And then, boom, we're into... The proper action of the movie, and right. we don't we don't we don't know, know where for we quite a while. Like, what was that all about? Right, and I that's part of what completely blew my mind about this movie. Seeing it as a kid the first time was right. just like, wait, they did that? I think that was one of the first times I had ever seen that in a movie. And that had is you watched basically Pulp Fiction before this. No, right. No. I don't think either of us had. But the idea of essentially beginning with the ending and then working yeah. your way towards the ending that you have already seen, but. You don't know contextualizing it, it right. and making it basically hit even harder mm-hmm. when you realize, 
oh, that's what we've been building to is where we've already been. Right. Okay. So he's laying out, he has the drawing though yeah. from the school that he came across. And this is the introduction of the giant who apparently gives porcupines. Porcupine king. Yes. And he's a wizard mm-hmm. who lives in the woods. Not unlike the yellow king. Dude. 100% in, in yellow Cocosis. king. Vibes. Yes. Sorry. So I, he's on this giant porcupine and he's he's got the it's a black truck like a black sedan yes jeepish kind of thing yeah he's throwing all this at sam shepherd and they they're all but laughing him out of here they're like we entertained this when you first you know brought it up but like this is clearly you're not a cop anymore jerry what yeah are you doing you need to take a break you need to take a breather and he basically says you know i you know i'm not too old to remember what a promise means, et cetera. You used to, you know, remember that too, essentially. And that's pretty much it. He walks out and then hard cut to him driving with like a boat and everything. And it seems like he's going on fishing vacation, right? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm starting to think, I'm like, I remember vividly how this movie opens. The, the whole Benicio del Toro committing suicide is very arresting and all of that really sticks with you. The little midsection there. Kind of, you know, I remember a little bit of like the investigation starting, I guess. And then there was kind of this blank space where I was like, and I know where we end up, but how the hell do we get there? We got to go through Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. He, he arrives in this small town, apparently good fishing, inquires about buying a gas station from the aforementioned Harry Dean Stanton. Another great, cam- that is a straight cameo. Yes. He has like two lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, so we got him and Mickey Rourke in cameos so far. We're going to have another big one coming up in a minute. Vanessa Redgrave, I don't consider a cameo. That's a no. full-on scene. Yeah. That's got, that could have been like a supporting actress nomination because they like to do that sometimes where it's like, she was in it for five minutes, but she yeah. deserves it. Yeah. I love the reveal here, though. And it, it, it takes a little bit to dawn on you, but you realize that this area where he's trying to move into it's the next target the most likely place yeah it's it's right in between all of the locations that he's been traveling to and logically this would be the next spot you're right. like okay buys this gas station takes it over meets some of the locals one mm-hmm. of which is robin wright penn looking a little worse for wear yeah uh i don't know did i read too much into this about just like do you think this was like she was really like well sean i really want to like you know dirty myself up for this one you know i'm playing like down to earth person i want to be like missing some teeth and blah blah blah. or was he like babe we're gonna like fuck you up we're gonna make you look horrible (laughs) like who who was gunning for like this level of like her teeth and everything which i was like are we gonna talk about the teeth is he ever gonna say anything about the teeth and eventually they do and then the reveal that like oh it's from my abusive uh, ex-husband who we never see who yeah who's never seen on camera could be mickey work for all we know <laughs> could be uh definitely could be but and then of course he, and i was like well you can't introduce those teeth and then like not have a moment where he pays to get them fixed right, right. that's like a bonding moment between them i don't know this is a this is definitely where some of the flaws start to come in one of which is I don't know how much I buy this romance between Nicholson and Robin Wright Penn. And it's always interesting anytime you've got a director directing their spouse. Right. Like, 
interacting with, in this case, a legend and a legendary ladies' man at that. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But you know it's kind of inevitably going to build there, and I don't know that it all necessarily works, but then where the movie is ultimately headed, it kind of makes sense that, like, their chemistry doesn't work at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, it makes perfect sense. Because I know. It's like, it's like he doesn't care about sex, Noah. He's about the pledge. He is. He's got to find this all, guy. It's all about the pledge. Basically, this whole thing, he's engineering a setup where he has the gas station. He has a clear view of the road. Now, I just got to get me a kid. And I, I got to put him in kid. red clothes. I need me a kid for bait. So... I love that scene because he's already met Robin Wright Penn. Right. And this really didn't click for me. Doesn't know that she has a daughter. Doesn't know. And then he's just sitting in the same diner like a few days later, if you will, sees this little girl and strikes up a conversation with her. And then only then realizes, oh, that's Robin Wright's kid. And then, hey, you guys want to help me shop? You want to, you know, come out and have some fun stuff? The, The girl disappears for a bit. And then says, oh, yeah, that man gave me a porcupine. Right. But it was, oh, it's a vendor lady. Yes. And then I don't somewhere in this we get to the third cameo, fucking Dame Helen Mirren as a doctor trying to figure out what the fuck this photograph's about or this painting is about. And more importantly, trying to figure out. How the fuck does she show up in this <laughs> right. movie? More in Nevada? <laughs> what? Yes. I don't, I, I, this is one of those where I'm like. Well, I get that this exists because she like we need expo- we need exposition. We need I guess I guess we need exposition to tell us like where he's at in the investigation, what his theories are and everything. And to how also he might be us, going crazy. Yeah, whether she, he's she gets losing on that his shit a little yeah. bit. For sure. And so why not bring in Helen Mirren? And like she's what if great like- in the scene, but I I do brush up against the idea of like you're telling me that this psychiatrist is in the middle of this town that they're in? Just, right. I don't know. I don't really buy it. Yeah. Like, if he, if they show him going back to, like, what I assume is the bigger town he came from, to, like, talk to somebody there, then I, I buy it. But, like, she's just here as, like, a art psychiatrist, psychologist, what? I don't know. Yeah. My theory is that they may have been hooking up in real life, and he's like, come by the set, and Sean's like, can, oh, my God, what is she doing here? She yeah. wants to be in the movie. It's like, all right, here, you can be this lady. And then yeah, just, so was they, Vanessa Redgrave, by the way. Yeah. I'm sure he was just boning all of them. Well, all if I can't get set. Robin right, I'll get these two do- <laughs> these two dames. Like, it's fucking Jack, dude, because, I listen, I remember watching this movie and being like, oh, well, that's okay, like. He's been in a lot of good movies and like <laughs> it's all right, you know. And then like the Departed is like Joker at that. The Departed is like four or five years away. Yeah, and you're just like, what a way to go out. I mean, what has he done since then? He did. I mean, he oh, unfortunately he did, did like the bucket list and a few oh, other yeah. things afterwards. But the Departed would have been a great one to go. Oh out yeah, with. but it's just like I remember. See, because I remember this coming out, and I remember it being. I was like, this really didn't move the needle. I don't think for anybody. Don't remember another big movie with him until you get to The Departed, because well, you got to I mean, remember dude, about Schmidt. You already well, mentioned. yeah, yeah, that comes, yeah, but like big awards contender around this him. time though. Connery hangs it up with *Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen* not too long after this. So I'm thinking, sure. no, I'm thinking like in my mind when when this is happening as a child, and like it just doesn't pop. It's like okay, well. 
I mean, it's not a great, it's a good movie, but like, it's not a... It's like late period Paul Newman or something. It's like, yeah, what are you doing? But then he comes back with The Departed, and you're like, I amazing. Did, I just want to point out, about Schmidt, incredibly well-received, again, huge awards contender, specifically for his performance. Oh, yeah. And then, I don't know how you feel about this one, I still love this movie, Anger Management, huge hit. Oh, huge yeah. Huge hit, and that's like 2003? I forget about that as a Sam. I think one. that's right after about Schmidt. Like, right. no, dude, his early two thousands, right up until Departed, he's doing solid. He's that still is true. everybody's embrace. He's just he's Jack. Like, you know, if yeah. he shows up in something, his nineties is very strange and weird, and I love a lot of it. But uh, yeah, no, his his two thousands is first half of it's not too bad. Did you ever watch the Two Jakes? That came out in the nineties. Yeah, I've seen the Two Jakes. Okay, that's his. Second or third movie? I forget how many he's actually directed. But yeah. I think it's the second movie he directed. I mean, it's no Chinatown. No, of course things not. are. So yeah, where where were we? The thing you have to remember is Polanski <laughs> was an artist. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe we haven't done a Jack impression thus far. I've been but he's trying not to. Really, he's not really jacking it up in this movie. No, and that's which is maybe part that's of what, what I love is. about it. Maybe that's what it is. It's because like you've come off of like now quick. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did we watch this after About Schmidt had come out? No, or did we, we watch this the minute this it came like out? As soon as it was available on VHS. Okay. We saw right. this like in 2001, okay. probably like in the summer while we were at the beach house. Right, because it came remember. out in a dump month. It right, so it was out. already on VHS yeah. by like, yeah, summer. Yeah. For sure. And again, at 10 years old, I there was no way I was equipped to like properly appreciate half of what this movie had going on no we watched it because mom wanted to watch it and i meant to ask mom like do you remember the pledge have you rewatched the pledge oh no i, I told her about it i saw yeah. her this weekend i told her we were going to be doing this i hope she i hope she went and checked it out i and asked dad, I, I asked <laughs> i asked dad if he had started watching the boys and he was like what <laughs> like, oh he mind. was he sounded so i know i told I him i, I like, had him talked into it well i told him about how you were like banshee and he was like oh banshee was great i'm like <laughs> did you not go watch the boys but i think i've sold mom on going to watch the boys and oh mom would love the boys. yeah i thought she I keep, already watched it. no she hadn't oh, okay. and i found out she hadn't watched cobra kai and i'm like stop everything go watch cobra kai you can get it done in two nights Maybe I, one if you. I the thought whole she song. was. I thought she was ready for three to drop. I no, she, she hadn't seen an episode, wow. a single episode. So I told her to go do that stuff first, and then maybe check back up with the pledge if she wanted to, because it's on Max. Yes, it is available on HBO Max. If we didn't mention that. Yes. If and, you know you made it this far into this episode, yeah, and you were like, like, "Hey, I think I might check this out." Yeah. Uh, to spoil the rest of the movie for you. Yeah, spoilers from here on out. So. Like we said, it's not fully revealed until towards the end. But yes, all of this, this is not him like starting his retirement life or anything. This is all just him basically setting a giant trap because he is convinced that this giant guy is out there and he's going to kill again. And the killings are getting closer and closer together. That's the other thing that the Helen Mirren scene brings Mm -hmm. us. Okay. So we get our first big suspect. And who might it be? Oh, Francis Dollarhide himself. <laughs> Mr. Tom Newton. Mr. Tom, I only read my part and no other part of the <laughs> script. script. Fucking Newton. Newton. Yes. He only read his bit and he stayed away and from I mean, everybody on the set. Sean Penn was like, Tom, can you come out here? We're trying to collaborate. I'm sorry, I'm in my character. 
I'm have a priest you, that doesn't actually abuse anybody. I'm a really good guy. Well, and have you also heard he was incredibly upset because they didn't do more to show that he was not actually the bad guy. And there's guy. so many more scenes apparently with like threading that out and I was like, dude, that whole aspect of like attaching this has got to be the guy. The whole I mean, you're so committed again to the everybody is telling him, "Hey, we settled this case. It's over." Like, we got our guy. Mm-hmm. He happened to commit suicide. We didn't technically get full-on justice, but that was our guy. We got him. However, how 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 long of a break do we take? Like, three months? I didn't know if it was months or if it was a full year in between, but yeah. It's I think a, it was three months because, he, like, like moves. Yeah, no, because he it's three months because it's, like, that the next killing is going to be coming. Yeah. Exactly. So, Tom Noonan's introduced, talking to Robin Wright's daughter, uh, who again we're kind of, we're getting bonding scenes with them. Basically, she shows up, beat to shit, says, "Hey, my ex husband like is nearby. We ran in here. Again, we never see the guy, but it's just like okay. From this point forward, you just live here with me now. Yeah, just live here with me at the gas station that I bought from Harry Dean Stanton, which has like a giant attached house to it, right. which I didn't really realize how big it was until we get like one wide shot. And I was like, oh, okay, very cool. Yeah." Seems like it would be a pretty solid life if you weren't in the mental state that the Jerry, Jerry is. Yes, in this exactly. Movie. So he he lets these interactions with Tom Noonan and and the daughter happen, and he's watching from a distance. Mm-hmm. And we slowly get the buildup of, oh, he's. She said she was going to go to church with him, and oh shit, she's there right now. Freaks out, rolls up, and again, the shot you talked about from the trailer and the main moment you remembered from it. He bursts in, and we get these quick cut scenes of, like, Tom Noonan murdering children. No, we've no, we've got a, oh, Jesus! Cause, and you have a child dead on the ground, and Tom Noonan naked in blood, smiling like he fucking smiles in every movie where he looks <laughs> weird. Listen, right. if you have not seen Manhunter or Last Action Hero... You need to watch those movies, and what it will do is it will train you that every time Tom Noonan is on screen, one, you think he's the bad guy regardless of the role, and you're just waiting for him to pop off because that dude is that dude made in Hollywood because he's like six two, six three. Yeah, he is imposing. He is a sinister looking motherfucker, and he knows how to use it for yeah, you know, dramatic in both effect. directions for sure. Yeah. So of course we naturally think it's going to be him too, but we get all those quick cuts, and then we reveal. It's actually just a, like a normal church service. He welcomes them like right. immediately. The and little girl is there. Be, She's fine. And because there are no scenes to flesh it out, we're left to be like, oh, yeah, well, that was that's a red herring. Really didn't happen. Jerry might be going a little bit crazy with these flashes. But right. like, can you blame him? He's watched a child. He, like, he, fa- he saw that dead child in the snow. Yes. He told that dead child's mother, I'm going to find this guy. I intend to find out. And he hasn't been able to. Nobody on the force wants to listen to him. And he, you know, he had to spend all that retirement money and shit on this house. I mean, who knows if he's going to get anything off the deal when he sells it down the road. I mean, hopefully property values in the area (laughs) increase. But if fucking children are dying left and right, no one's going to want to live there. We'll talk about where we get to the end of this movie (laughs) because I think it might be somewhere in like 2035. Like, it looks like the apocalypse has happened. It looks like Mad Max times by the end of this movie. We'll get there. So... He's left to confront, am I going a little crazy, etc. Like, I had this all built up in my mind that it was this dude, and it's not. 
and everything seems to be like kind of chilling out. And it's like, okay, he and Robin maybe Wright he's finally just, fuck. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just gonna like have a life with Robin Wright and this this little girl. Like, okay. And then he's been reading bedtime stories to the little girl, which like there was one of the earlier ones where I was like, in the context of this movie, investigating what you're investigating, why would you read this story to the child? And I couldn't remember what it was, but it was like something very violent and dark and like related to Oh gosh, I should And why would it down. you read when you're reading it to her, the blinds are down and there is light coming through them, but it's supposed to be nighttime. Like yeah. that's a little inconsistent. Maybe yeah. it's the sign like outside the window that's lighting it up, but it definitely Probably. doesn't feel like you're reading to her at night. Anyways. But we get another bedtime story sequence, and she mentions the giant. And the porcupines. Yes. And he, she shows these little porcupine desserts. Creepy yeah. as fuck. Yeah, very creepy. And she says, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go. He's gonna show me the like the magical forest or whatever because he's a wizard and blah blah blah. And we're gonna meet at this particular place. And so basically, essentially, like hard cut to the next day. He's got Aaron. No, I, lo- I love that he's like he's like. <laughs> well, I mean. He said you can't tell your mom, but it doesn't yeah. mean you can't tell me. You're not me. supposed to tell your parents, but I'm not, not your, your parents. parents. I'm Jerry, right? So she I lays it all be, out Can for I him. go, Jerry? I guess it'll be okay. Yeah. It'll be our little secret. secret. Bob, and I'm immediately like, dude, bad idea. Bad yeah. idea. I was like, I remember how this movie ends. Bad yeah. idea. So hard cut to he's got Eckhart and everybody out there, and I'm like, wait, what happened? So... It's still an active investigate, and then we eventually Eckhart's like, "We're doing you a big favor, Jerry. Okay, like I brought everybody out here. Is this guy gonna show? Like, what's gonna happen?" And we we essentially like watch Jerry start to descend into madness, and they're kind of like, "We're calling it. We're bailing." And he's like, "If you leave here, you better not jeopardize my fucking operation." Basically, like, don't blow your cover. Yeah. yeah, he's like, "Oh, by the way, dude, uh, I have to go tell the mom what we just did." By yeah. law, like I'm yeah, not gonna just gotta do give that. you a heads up. Yeah. I'm gonna go like blow up your spot. Yeah, uh, you might want to be aware of that. Yeah. So Jerry's still hanging out there, and then boom, we start getting some parallel cuts, and yes. I love the way this dude. Is done. This is probably one of my favorite things in a movie that I've not seen ever since. Dude, probably one of the best things. Great stuff. So we first cut to a woman who we saw earlier, and we haven't really talked about this. There's so many big like high-profile cameos and, like, you know, pretty stacked cast. The ground-level, like, extras that he has, some of the smaller roles are clearly, like, just normal people that he found from the area. Not even, like, I held auditions for this. It was more like, I found this store that I liked. We talked to this person for five minutes. They're in this movie now. Mm -hmm. It's very much the vibe of this woman who he goes to within the first, like, 15 minutes of the 15, 20 minutes of the movie, right when he starts investigating after Benicio kills himself, he asked this woman for directions to the grandmother, to the grandmother's place. Yeah. She's she's upstairs. She gives him directions, whatever. So we heart, we cut back to this woman. I'm like, what the hell's going on? She's saying, Oliver, Oliver, are there any of those sweets around? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Porcupines. The porcupine candy, little tartlet things, whatever the hell those are. Oliver, dude, he was right there. He was in that place months ago. He just missed him. Like, dude, holy shit. And then we get cuts to the interior of this car with a little porcupine thing hanging from the mirror. 
We're like, can you tell if it's a woman or a man? I don't even know if you... Well, she says Oliver, so we're meant to believe to me that it's her son or husband or who knows, and that that is Mr. the Giant, Mr. Porcupine, whatever we're calling him. And so we're seeing this in parallel, and it's like, dude, he was right all along, dude. He was right to be on this trail. He wasn't crazy. There is a killer. The killer is headed to meet her right now. And then we see like an 18-wheeler, and that's it, okay? And then Eckhart and the boys are leaving, and as they're leaving, there's a wreck on the highway. It's like, oh, shit. That's, that was the killer's truck. Killer's dead. Killer's toast. Burnt to a crisp. We see it. And so now but, but we they're have... they're just like, ah, uh, fucking shame about Jerry. Yeah, of course. They, they're like, yeah, he used to be a really great cop. Okay, cut back to Jerry, and now Robin Wright shows up, and she lays into him like, "I thought we were building a life together. Like this was all bullshit. Mind You're you, bullshit." Mind you, she tells her child, who he's had out there because exactly. a serial killer, go up to the go car. up to the car. It's like car. you are asking for this child to be fucking exactly. taken. What yes, are you please doing? Please take my child. And she lays into him, and it's like. It's a little heartbreaking. It would be more so if you really felt a genuine connection between them, but really what you're registering because he has no response. He doesn't say a word to her. He he can't say anything. In that moment you see him like the realization of like the wheels are turning, but he just has nothing doing. Exactly. And this is kind of the ultimate like if there is a twist to this movie at all is like yeah, from the moment that he left Sam Shepard's office he never stopped working the case. Right. You get this vibe that he has that he's like, I got to let this go. I'm going to try and settle into retirement. And then you slowly realize like, wait, did this just naturally fall into his lap? Or did he engineer these circumstances right. to lure them in? And that is the ultimate realization of like, yeah, dude, you had no emotional attachment to this woman or her daughter at all. You surface level did, but clearly at the end of the day, they were bait to you. Mm-hmm. She was bait. So he you lucked him. up out of nowhere that she showed up one night because, you know. Yeah. You little just, convenient. Right. <laughs> and, but I love that he has he he has nothing to say to her. There's no, There's nothing in that moment he could say that would make anything better. And so he's just reduced to silence. She bails. And then... We we are left again as the audience with the knowledge that like he was right, dude. Mm-hmm. He was right to be out there to be doing all this. The the means I don't know, you know, they're a little complicated. You did put a little girl in in a lot of jeopardy, but also like not really. There's a ton that's, of officers there. Like if the, it, yeah. if the if because I remember reading something that was like if you look pay attention where that crossroad is and you see that truck again. It doesn't stop. Like the whatever truck it is, the eighteen wheeler just blows right by. Yeah. So you're led to believe that like either that eighteen wheeler driver is a terrible eighteen wheeler driver because you see that truck before or whatever it is, or you see the Jeep van, whatever it was he was driving, do the same thing and they don't stop at that intersection. And that's supposed to cue you in that like, oh yeah, well of course this is probably what could happen. It makes it more logical that like one of these two people in this accident are terrible drivers. You don't know that when you see it earlier in the movie, but it kind of plays to, boom, 
gets in a wreck and dies. So I always, I looked at this and wondered, do these people who are watching this even know like, oh shit, that's a black car? Because it's all burnt up. They couldn't yeah. probably tell to begin with. So I yeah, wonder if they, they leave it as like. processing that in the moment. No, they're I don't not even think that they are. It. And that's what I love is like, we're left with the knowledge of, of all of that. But we have to watch him suffer through like a, waiting for something that is never, ever coming. Like, and then we just kind of fade into the opening of the movie, which is Jerry outside of the gas station that he bought. It's closed. It looks like everything around him is abandoned. Right. It's like dusty and windswept and everything. And again, like I said, it looks like Mad Max times. Like, it looks like he has just been eternally sitting there in front of the gas station, just slowly losing his mind. And that's where we leave the movie at. Again, none of what we just described, I think, is what anybody wanted from this movie when it came out. If you watch the trailer, which... I may play a little bit of, I don't know, maybe we dropped it in at the top. It's so quick cutting and it's like, it seems very simple on paper. There's a killer, maybe we didn't get the case right, stuff starts happening again. Jack Nicholson's on the case. Retired cop on the case. Action thriller, horror thriller, sort of, maybe, who knows. A psychological thriller. Directed by Sean Penn. Yeah. On paper, I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, Uh, I'm on board. And then you get kind of an existential meditation on, on what it means to be a detective and like search for meaning and all of this stuff. And like when so many things can just happen at a whim. And that kind of leads me to the source material, which I don't know if you looked into it. I did. Yeah. The book, the book, which is essentially a, a dissection of detective fiction Mm -hmm. up until that point in time. And then like, when I started reading more about it, I was like, Obviously, this would have been a hot property for like somebody to adapt at some point. Oh, yeah. And they've done a TV version of it back in the 50s, I think, with uh, the dude who played Goldfinger. All right, Goldfinger was, uh, I know you're talking about Gert yeah. Frobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the lead in it, I believe. And that had a much happier ending, essentially. And apparently the novel even plays around with that, and it's like, it's it sounds like something I'd actually want to read because it's a, it's a yeah. dissection of detective fiction that essentially is like so much of detective stories puts absolute faith in the detective as a person, right? Of like and they're going to be able to solve you. A, B, or C. Right. They're going to wrap it up, but it doesn't allow for any chance, freak occurrence, or like any outside factors. And it's right. like there's so much other stuff that plays into an investigation, etc. And that's inherently unsatisfying for people. Mm-hmm. But it's again, that's what makes this movie unique and fascinating to me is like it does not at all end where you think something like this will end. It is unsatisfying, but to a point. And I think that's when I saw it as a kid, I was just kind of like, oh, well, they ended where they began. And that's all I really took from it was I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird and different. And like, I guess he just went crazy. But like, you know. Rewatching it this the time, money. the real like existential crisis, right, and like genuine like descent into madness that is normally I feel like really overplayed in movies like this. It feels like pretty realistic and like down to earth, grounded within what you're yes. yeah. Because I feel like if you you give me a couple more instances where like he's looking at something that isn't there. 
he's thinking of something that didn't happen or talking about something that didn't happen. And you give me those scenes that Tom Noonan was mad about to like differentiate the like, okay, I had this glimpse of well, him being terrible and he really is it. Cause after that scene where he welcomes him, there's nothing with him ever again. But if you have another scene where he could see like, well, wait a minute, this guy really is nice. Like, you know, maybe he stops her from like going to the road or something. And you're like, Oh, why would no, the killer wouldn't do that. Like, no, this guy really is good. Am I going crazy? Cause I definitely thought he was like raping and murdering her. Whenever I walked into yeah. that church, if you have a little bit more of that and I get to maybe flesh out the descent a little bit more. And I'm believing that whatever they weren't able to shoot and put in there, probably would have played in and maybe have made this like another like oh shit this was a this was a gem how did we miss this hmm. didn't nobody saw it when it came out because it was in a dump month and so nobody saw it for awards and this was like the pinnacle of like a, a study on detectives but you know they just it, couldn't put it in because of budget and they didn't want to lose be behind schedule and lose money you talked about never really seen anything like it and i agree can't really think of something that hits quite this note uh, that this movie ends on. It's maybe kind of like one affliction. of those you have to see it to believe it. Affliction, maybe. I would think that with what uh, it made me think of. I, I'm, I'm jumping past it because I have never seen Affliction. That's Nick Nolte, right? Yeah. Or is that Jeff Bridges? Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Tell me about it a little bit. I don't, He's you know, uh, don't spoil it, but it's Affliction. I don't think it's a. Is it's, that a Paul Schrader movie? I think so. I remember watching it for the Toxic Masculinity in Film class, and we talked about Nick Nolte being a. I think he's an ex-cop, but it's a it's a version of Toxic Masculinity. Affliction from 1997. A deeply troubled small town cop investigates a suspicious hunting death while other events jeopardize his sanity. Yeah, Affliction is probably it is the, Paul Schrader. Affliction is the one I would imagine that gets just like I think of this and when I think of the pledge when I think of Affliction and vice versa. Because okay. when they told us we were watching Affliction, I was like. Why not the pledge? And then now I'm like, yeah, it's probably better we watch the flick. Be a nice little little twin too. What it made me think of was the finale of True Detective season three. Yeah, that moment of we as the audience know that like this should be a satisfying conclusion, but the character is denied right that satisfaction mm-hmm. and kind of has to find it in another way. Now in the case of the pledge, he just fucking loses his shit. You are left in True Detective with the comfort of like, well, he's there with his family, and, and that his seems buddy. like it's on, yeah, and that seems like it's on better terms than it has been in recent years, etc. We have that even if he doesn't the get the ultimate up, satisfaction yeah. of like, you know, knowing that he solved it, like right. really knowing and remembering that he solved it. But yeah, that similar note of like giving us a piece that you deny the lead character, mm-hmm. which inherently I, I, I get why some people brush up against that or just like, no, like, Oh, come on. Like it's Jack. You're going to leave him out there losing his mind. What the fuck? Uh, oh, just a little bit of like the family, like the mom who made him take the pledge drives up. And like be closed. I forgot. There's <laughs> a moment. I forgot that there is a moment where he sees them again and they're like packing up or traveling through. Like once he, he buys the gas station, he, he's they, the, it's the scene where he meets the little girl. He sees them sitting out. He's at the diner. Right. He sees them packing right. up, leaving. Yes. But I would have loved if they, like, that was the end of the movie. They just roll back up to get gas. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you closed? And they just, he's like, what? <laughs> but, like, but that has him snap out of it and be like, um, 
Yeah, and like or whatever, like that. Maybe that's how he snaps out of it. She's like, "I forgive you. You don't have to. You know, the pledge is. I take the curse off. The pledge <laughs> is done. Pledge yeah. over. Pledge over. Uh, I guess that's a good spot to end it. Uh, like I said, I I love so much about this movie. It doesn't like it doesn't fully connect to where it ends up, but the ending to me is just so satisfying in an unsatisfying way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we said, really nothing quite like it. We didn't really go into detail, but like I love Nicholson in pretty much everything, and that stands the reason here. I love how like understated he is because it makes that reveal of like his mindset for the mid chunk of the movie when it kind of, you're like, Oh shit, this was all calculated. It makes it all all the more menacing kind of, because you feel like you've been betrayed by him a little bit because you were like, Oh, well I thought he was just like enjoying fishing and like kind of fell back into the investigation, but he was kind of building a life with this woman. And then yeah, the, the rug is kind of simultaneously pulled out from all of you at the same time. I really dig it. It's not something I'm going to watch, like, rewatch all the time. But apparently, every 20 years, good time to check out The Pledge. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. And again, it is its 20th anniversary this month. So uh, if you want to check it out or you already did, you know, let us know what you thought. The of E at gmail.com. And uh, we will move it right along, I guess, to part two of the 2x2 two two retro review. We're talking Den of Thieves from 2018. <laughs> yes. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Hey, pay attention. This is yours. Most important thing, keep your finger off the trigger at all times, unless you need to shoot somebody. When that happens. 3170, we're being held up. Hold it until you run dry. Dispatch, we are under heavy fire. Keep your eyes open. Every cop in the country is going to be looking for us. Big Nick, original gangster cop in the flesh. What's your tally? Four dead, six on the way to the hospital. I tell you, he's a bad guy. I'm going to make you a deal. Give me the names of all the guys that got away. I'll get your medic. Ain't no snitch. Yo. He's done, son. We got a problem. It's major crime. Get to know your enemy, boys. Every big time crew has been busted. These are the guys who took them down. Gangbangers, these are not. Whoever it is, they're addicted to heists. In my mood, you shoot them. You understand? Sooner or later, they'll need their fix. You could. Yeah, man. We do it. Change the plans. We're trading up. The Federal Reserve. It's like Fort Knox. At any one time, there's anywhere between 500 and 800 billion dollars in there. Every millimeter of it covered by cameras, sensors, and motion detectors. Stand across the street and stare at the building for two minutes. You have security on your ass. Only bank that's never been robbed. That's why we're gonna rob it. Every time I'm in the street, I hear ya, 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 ya. We gotta move. This means means I am a member of a gang. Only we have badges, which means you are done. Do you look like the types who arrest you? No one for that seat on. Put you in handcuffs, drag you down to the station. We just shoot you. Boom. 
You're not the bad guys. We are. Seems like the whole city go against me. I'm not cuffing up. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna bring my handcuffs. Okay. Tell me what you think of Den of Thieves, Noah. I've been waiting for this for I so know long. You've been waiting for it for a long time. We made a special exception. You know, it's not retro at all, but we're we're doing it. We're finally talking thieves. Yes. We're entering the den. I entered the den. I did the full on two and a half hour unrated cut. Ooh. I don't know what was unrated that wasn't in the theatrical because I've never seen it. So couldn't really tell you. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Good. I en- I enjoyed it thoroughly. I looked forward to watching it. As I mentioned, I kind of saved it as a present for myself. I knew this this record date was getting ever closer. And I, of course, I was like, "But it's two and a half hours, man! Like, I want to take the whole journey, the the epic L.A. crime saga. Let's let's do it." Did did not disappoint. I ha I have some thoughts. Please, I, have some, I definitely have some thoughts. But on the whole, we talked about it. We'll reiterate throughout this conversation. I'm sure it's poor man's heat. Yeah, but you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna imitate something. You might as well pick like one of the best movies ever made. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot at it, why why not? You can only you can only miss slightly lower, and you just like you got to change enough things that you make it your own. And this movie does that. So I respect the game. I probably would watch it again. I also am totally down for the sequel. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Did with these Pantera. It's happening. I'm. I'm actually really amped for it. Like I would go see it with you day one. In okay, the theater. good. Good. Um, this is what I wanted. Yes. Okay. And I'm only doing this because all of you laughed at me when I had this on my list a couple years ago. Okay. It's the only reason I stuck to it because I knew I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to do it with a couple other things, but this one for sure. I was like, this movie has no business being this fucking good. <laughs> it, and it, it is quite entertaining. Oh my God. It's an dude. entertaining film. Okay. Remember, I saw this in theaters. Okay, just think about that. We're talking like packed house. I mean, opening. It night. was a dump month, Noah. What are you? Are you kidding me? There was five people in there. Okay, <laughs> it made eighty million on its thirty million dollar budget. Well, there we go. And the eighty was from a nice just, chunk overseas. Uh, Christian Gudegast. Not familiar with his prior work, I don't think. He Should this I is be? director. This is first time directing. First time writing. You're asking or telling? No, this is first directorial <laughs> debut. He writ he wrote a couple other things. Kind of more well known as a writer. Interesting fact. He I came across this in my research. And I forgot about it completely. What? Well, I sent you the episode. The Ringer has dubbed this subgenre garbage crime. Yes. And I forgot. You know, you think of it as more of a like a 2010s thing mm-hmm. forward. Right. They're referencing but this, like but Christian Gutegast wrote maybe maybe this is the precursor maybe it was ahead of its time and maybe we need to revisit it. Saw this movie in the theater back in two thousand three with Mom, a man apart. Yes, <laughs> starring one Mister Vin Diesel, known for Lorenz his writing. Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Jeff Coburg? Our boy Timothy, Timothy Olyphant's yeah. in there as well, dude. That might be. Uh, might need to put my eyes on that one again. Yeah, not uh, not well reviewed, not well regarded at the time. 
uh, considered definitely garbage, uh, garbage crap. Yeah, I didn't want to jack their phrase, but like that's perfect. Oh, it's that's as far as I'm concerned, they they coined the phrase for the right. new subgenre. Yeah, I didn't want to gotta call it. Yeah, that's fine with me. I didn't want to say Again, anything. That is about not it. our term at all. But like, but, I'll gladly give them credit for garbage crime because I realize I'm a garbage crime aficionado, baby. Yeah, I love I, it all. I, I, I know it all. You. Yeah, I love that fucking episode. Let's do it twice. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking good. But yeah, Man Apart's definitely like. Like, again, a little ahead of its time for mm-hmm. what it's doing, essentially, in a weird way. Even though it's, like, such... It's basically, like, trying to be, like, a 70s revenge thriller in the 2000s at war with itself. But and it's... Dude, that's definitely worth a rewatch. I feel yeah. like we'd, we'd find some, like, truly great trash elements in there. There's a human being named Overdose? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> okay. Den of Thieves. Opens, uh, much like heat, very much like heat. Remember, uh, this guy graduated from school in '92. Okay, dude, he's been working on this project since 2004. So I have to imagine he gets out of film school in '92. His dad's kind of prominent. His dad's an actor, done some stuff, and then you got short time later the greatest bank heist movie, criminal genre, true crime cop and robber movie ever made in heat comes out you telling me that guy's not gonna like he wants to make his own heat that's exactly what this movie is yeah. it just so happens there's been an iraq war in the meantime and it gives the bad guys a whole new angle that i like exploring i thought it was great in that episode My- where they bring up like oh but most of these guys are probably veterans they do this they do that like that's the common thing now with everyone and it's like what a who would have thought when a man apart comes out, that that would be something that seeps its way into like genre filmmaking, yeah. for lack of a better term. Oh, one of my, you know, if I'm taking it down a peg or two, one of my arguments is like, I want more of the exploration of that. I almost want the prequel of these guys coming out of, you know, coming out of the Marines or whatever special forces they were with and transitioning into this. Like, when does it start? And like, what's the job they did that landed them in jail? And by right. them, I we should set up the squads and the cast yes. and all of the stuff. Yes. But we open with a robbery outside of a donut shop of an armored car. Here's the twist: nothing in the car. Right. Unlike Heat, where they're going for they're not even going for the cash; they're going for the bear bonds. Right. Yeah. There's nothing that that's the big twist. There's nothing in the truck. And we have somebody who pops off and like shoots somebody when they're not supposed to and things go awry and they have to discharge a lot of rounds. A oh, yeah. lot of rounds. You get that they got somebody on the inside with the intel on a phone line telling them, hey, you got so many people, you know, 30 seconds out, get ready, yes. this, this, and that. So this crew, who we're about to meet shortly. I want to call them the Merry Men. We can definitely because. do that. They're led by Ray Merriman. Exactly. That's uh, what I want to call them. Pablo Schreiber. Yes. Schreiber. 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 Schreiber, Schreiber. Same thing. Yes. Killing it throughout this movie. Dude. Uh, I could spend three maybe, hours talking about him in this movie Maybe alone. the best or second best performance in the movie. We'll, we'll talk yes. about it. Uh, Donnie is already with them, right? Right. Mr. O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, one of my favorite young actors right now. Love everything I've seen him in. This is no different. Good. He's the other contender for Maybe Steals the Show. Uh, 
got Fetty in there. Uh, as Ensign Laveau. Laveau, that's yeah. right. Doesn't talk a lot, but really solid in this movie. I did, yeah, I, I really him. dug, yeah. I dig him. And old Evan Jones, <laughs> shithead extraordinaire. Ch- Ch- Cheddar Bob himself. <laughs> Cheddar Bob, um, he's the asshole in Jarhead. Like, yeah. you know, he's just built for these roles. So much so that when they, at the top of the movie, are like, oh, he's the one with the itchy trigger finger. I'm like, oh, dude, he's your, he's your Wangro, 100%. Makes sense for this guy. And then he turns out to actually be like super chill and like really good with the tech and really smart, etc. And I was like, oh, okay, they're not going that way at all. I thought they were going to like dress him down or whatever. So, uh, anyways, that's kind of the core crew. They lose a guy. Right. You this. see in some flashbacks, but like, yes. you know. So. They're all hardcore Marsoc Marines. They've been in the shit. Yes. Donnie. Was a marine for like a year. Yes, he's a little little green. A little green. Never. Us. We we know he never made it out of basic. He didn't. He didn't kill anybody, obviously. But he still gets to. But be. we get from the get go. These guys are tacticians. They're well trained. They're strategic. But you know, when things pop off, they also yes, and they also have a code. They they didn't mess with the guy at the donut shop. Nope, they only right mess with the uniforms because mm-hmm. that's what they're trained to do. Okay. So now. We gotta float over here, and we gotta. <laughs> we go visit the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. We gotta meet major Big crimes. Nick. We gotta meet Big, Big Dick Nick. Nick. Okay, fucking Gerard Butler, dude. Our introduction. I I took a few notes, Good. mostly centered around Big Nick and Good. Jerry Butler in this Good. movie. Okay, I cannot wait to hear them. Big Nick's intro, which, if you'll recall, is uh, Everlast. You might know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was like, the intro tells you everything you need to know, which is fade into that music, him driving in his car to what we find out is his. I mean, they're still married technically, but his wife, his family's house. Okay, one of two things. Okay, either this is a one of those guys who just like only listens to the radio, even when they're in their own vehicle. Yeah. And like that tells me a lot. If that's the case. Yeah, the mind is working on everything or, else. Or the headcanon I went with, this guy straight up owns White Trash Beautiful. Yes. Probably on cassette tape. Probably. And it probably hasn't left his <laughs> tape deck uh, since he bought that truck. Right. I'm just guessing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, either way, I pretty much know who this guy is before he even speaks a line of dialogue. I'm also like, never seen Gerard Butler this puffy and like fucked up. He looks like... He gained he looks 30 like, pounds. He looks like Ray Velcoro, season two of True yes. Detective. Eight Ray Velcoro, <laughs> right. season two of True Detective. <laughs> okay. Fucking 30 pounds for this role, dude. I, Put I on believe weight. it. Okay. And I feel like that. You tell me. I feel like this maybe was part of some of the unrated cut. This scene with him and his wife goes on forever. That's probably what was added because there's a German <laughs> cut. That cuts out all of the extra stuff with his family. It's never seen, and people are like, "That's the one. That's that's um, the one to watch." But, I, I gotta say, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. That what, is, that is the only. That I is my big problem it. with the I movie. Under, I understand. You're like, but, but Pacino and De Niro, like we had the home lives. We explored these men as as men and tried to get into their psyche a little bit. We had the. The fucked up home life with Diane Venora and Natalie Portman and the like this is not my daughter but I think of her as a daughter and like I gotta deal with 
my, you know, the shithead ex-husband and I got to deal with her cheating on me with fucking what's his face from T2 and like yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to say it here. I'm stating the obvious. Gerard Butler is no Al Pacino. <laughs> no, but I think I he another, knows that. I had another little note, a little revelation. We mentioned Sin City probably like 20 minutes ago. We were talking about Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the scene where Dwight? It, it's in it's in the midst of Marv's story. I'm talking about the movie specifically. Right. It's in the midst of Marv's story, the first section. But we jump out to Dwight, and it's taken from another section of the novels. But it's Dwight talking about Marv. Right. Okay. And he says, you know, he'd be at home. On a battlefield or in a gladiator, gladiator arena, etc. They'd have tossed him women, women like Nancy. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, that speech applies to Gerard Butler in every role he's ever played that is not Leonidas in 300. <laughs> yes. It's just like, what is this fucking barbarian <laughs> doing <laughs> it, so as the head of major crimes? <laughs> like, what is this fucking dude oh doing? Oh, God. Here? Yes. Dude. He's eating donuts in the hot zone. He's chucking fucking donuts. The uh, I gotta say, here's where I wanted a little more as well, dude. When he they arrive at the crime scene, they're assessing everything, and I'm like, I don't know if I buy like any like true intelligence coming out of this character, but like he's got to be the smart cop, right? Like that's that's the trajectory. He goes and talks with the FBI. That whole interaction, dude. Just like encase it in gold. I fucking loved all <laughs> yes. of that. Talking the, about the fucking suits. Because the interdepartmental that. like tit for tat is always like we love it in action movies. It's mm-hmm. just it's a it's classic shit. You gotta have it there. But the way these two guys go at it, they're making fun of each other's clothes, and then he's just like <laughs> the FBI guy's just like, I don't like you. I don't like the way you do business. <laughs> like all anything this stuff. about you. And then like, why I like, like you. He's like, why? I like you. <laughs> just Great, great As stuff. As he's chewing down a I, donut, he's I doing. wanted I of uh, that too. You just threw a donut in the hot zone. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wanted more of that tone in general, where I was like, "That is the one." I mean, heat, heat has laughs, but it's like the movie's not trying to be funny, and it's also not something that like you're laughing at it in a bad way. But like, it's more you just giggle out of the sheer enjoyment of like. She's got a great ass! Like, stuff like that, yeah. right? I was like, well, here, lean into the comedy a little bit more. I loved this, and I felt like I wanted a little more of this tone spray, spread throughout the two and a half hours. Right. Um, but anyways, lo- loved this, loved the setup of, like, the two opposing crews, and I'm like, you know, it's no West Studi and Michael T. Williams and uh, Ted Levine, but... He's got a crew. I know some of these guys. Yeah. I see the, a lot of that guys for sure. I was going to say the crew is almost yeah, exclusively. Take me, through, take me through the cops. The, the are crew they, is excuse ex- me. They are the regulators. Is what's their, what's their like gang? I think that's what they call it. He's like, we're gang, but we got badges. I can't, I don't remember the, yes. yeah. So you have, uh, Brian Van Holt is Murph Connors. And Brian Van Holt is the... Probably the most recognizable. Sons of Anarchy. Yes. As the one that they basically burn the tattoo off his back because he's not allowed to have that cut anymore. Mm-hmm. You got um, 
Mo McCray, black guy, Gus Henderson. He would have been in the purge. You've known him from the purge. He was also on Sons of Anarchy. He was the one niner gangbanger that didn't that make it takes past over. season three. Just saying. Yeah. Um, eh, who else you've got? You've got uh, Kwali Lyman, Tony Z. He is the one that actually gets uh, shot, if I'm not mistaken, at the very end. Or maybe he makes it out. I can't gotcha. remember. And then uh, you've got Benny Baracho, who's played by Maurice uh, Comte. Baracho was probably Baracho. my favorite of the crew. Baracho is the one who gets killed. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I got to point this out just because it's in the scene uh, that we're talking about. This is probably my quote of the movie because I literally rewound it three times to see if I could make, if I could telegraph or diagram this sentence rather. This is one of our big introductions to, again, Big Nick. I've got enough toxins in my body to turn the Gaza Strip into a gay pride parade. What the fuck does that mean? I've got enough toxins in my body to turn the Gaza Strip into a gay pride parade. And he delivers it as if it's like, you know, like I say all the time, boys. Just don't like, they call him on that? Don't they say something about like, what yeah, are you no, even talking say, about? No, I don't even think they react to it. They just like, uh, and I was like, I don't get it. I, I truly don't get it. Uh, the level of homophobic stuff though, in this movie from Jerry yeah. Butler, I think he's loving it. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty turned up there. Yeah. Okay. He is cranking it up to 12. So they, the, the crew, Merriman's crew, they know now that these guys are handling it. Major Crimes is on it. Right. It's this guy. And it's like, okay, get to know your enemy. So we know that they're they're aware that the heat is on, essentially. Right. And so now we got the, the cat and mouse kind of starts. We have this big opening ice and then we have a lot of a lot of back and forth and like just kind of, you know, character building sort of world building sort uh, of yes we, we get introduced to donnie donnie again is kind of like as far as we know he's fresh to this crew right only been working with them for a bit and he's so far we just know he's the driver that's it yes he's the driver like him because he can drive real fast he works at a bar that Ziggy's is frequented by both police and criminals it's an interesting place so we're just like oh he's just the guy who's like connected and kind of like it's put on to stuff here and there the guy you see is Ziggy, the bar owner. Yes, director, writer's dad. Okay, okay. So again, he's an actor, been in other things, kind of you know. Yes, whatever. So yeah. so, uh, Big Nick shows up at the bar. Oh God, they <laughs> Froline, I'd fuck you. Like what? Yeah, what? they go to again. I here's my overall take. I appreciate the energy. That Gerard Butler is bringing to this movie. Every scene of this movie. I really appreciate it. At the same time, and I, I kept coming up against this quandary the whole the whole movie. Pablo Schreiber is so fucking good. Yes. And I still feel like we don't we don't get that much of him. Right. Okay. If so if somebody else is in the big Nick role. And it's still as written, but it's not Gerard Butler. Do we think that's an improvement? Do we think we can improve upon it? Or is the energy he's bringing to it just right? 
I honestly and feel... And if we have somebody that's maybe a little less established, if you will, a little less known in this subgenre specifically... Yeah. Is it a little more... Is it easiest, easier for us to buy the kind of like back and forth nature the the vibe they want again is De Niro and Pacino and Heat and I'm sorry but like Gerard Butler and Pablo Schreiber that's no shade to Pablo Schreiber but I'm like that combination is never going to be the same thing of just like these two titans finally going up against each other right so I guess that's my question is like as much as I enjoy everything he's doing in this and think it makes for like some of the most enjoyable aspects of the movie would it be a better movie overall if it was somebody else, see, not no, going, not going for it a hundred percent like this, the but thing, just kind of playing it a little more to, you know, the thing I think that is different in it. And the, like, I don't know if this is a thing with people, but there's a lot of references to like clicks from like high school football to like, what this is like, what happened? This is like men who can't grow up. These are all 40 year old boys. That's what it is. Maybe it has something to do with, and maybe there's some something I'm missing in the extended cut with, like, as far as I know, maybe they mention it and it's all a thing. Maybe all of the, the, the Los Angeles County sheriffs, they all did go to, to war as well, but they want up on the good side. And it's like you said, want to see in a prequel. Where did it go wrong for Merriman and them? Like, why are they on the other side of the right. law? But there's this weird connection to, like, it being... LA and like a, a home turf thing of like, cause you get it in the opening that it's the bank robber capital of the world yes. in 1992. Those stats don't exist. Right. You know? And it was actually like every 60 minutes, not every eight minutes. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry dude, but like if these numbers were accurate for today, like we would be hearing about it on the news every single day. Right. If there was a thing. bank robbery at LA. And you didn't office, know that like, as much because you didn't hear about it that much in 1992 when this guy got out of film school. Right. And, and you really, I mean, the only big thing from that era is what the 44, um, the 44 minute like heist or whatever in LA. You talking about the North Hollywood? Yeah. The North Hollywood shoot. The two, yeah. That's like later in the decade. That's what too. I'm saying. Yeah. That's like late nineties or early two thousands. And I feel like that's like the culmination of it. Cause they cracked down on shit like right. a lot more post that. Yeah. And then, I mean, you don't really have bank robberies after we invent the debit card. Right. I mean, it's all online, baby. Yeah. You can get, like, the guy that came in and robbed us. He got, it's, like, three. information. It's just out there. You just yeah. got it. I, I know how to grab it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Like, the guy that came in and jumped the counter took about three, four grand from us. That guy's in jail till he's, like, 67 years old. They mm-hmm. compounded his charges. They're like, do you want to die in prison or get out an old man? I like to get out an old man. Then you sign here. Mm-hmm. What happens up? Then we go to trial and you die in prison because not only do I have you in safe, I have you in these other banks. You can die in prison for all I care. Yeah. I'd like to get out as an old man. That guy got three grand. You don't know how many people I see that like, oh, I put my debit card out and I just, oh, there's $4,000 going. Oh, what? Yeah, because you can do more on a laptop than you can walking in. You walk into any bank with a gun, guess what? 10 years. So I'm going to yeah. get on my laptop. But that's what I appreciate about this. That was the fun twist I got. No, that's not what happens. The Fed does not just burn up money and like take serial numbers out of it. They keep track of all the numbers they destroy. They don't erase those numbers and make new bills. They just do another number sequence. But, hey, we're going to rob. We get $30 million. 
clean. No one's looking for it. They already think it's missing. This is how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just a quick note. No federal institution, especially any federal reserve, would ever let anybody pass that first entrance. You are either walked with a guard or whoever is ordering food or whatever. They come to you oh, and take right. it away from Dude, you. I mean, yeah. When I he love exits all the liberties the of end, these. But yeah. yeah. And the other thing I really dig about this midsection as we build up to the ultimate heist and everything is seeing all of these kind of clandestine events that you don't realize are building towards their ultimate goal. Like mm-hmm. they're setting up these kind of little things. And I did appreciate that in, you know, in some aspects of the movie is not very subtle, but in this way and like where the ultimate kind of twist goes, I was like, you guys actually pulled that off pretty smoothly and you kind of covered all your bases and you kind of brought it together and put a nice little bow on it when I did not expect like that from it. Right. And that was because to contrast with heat, the actual, like how we're going to execute the heist, what actually goes down in the bank heist. It's all in the moment. It's not like we don't see them pre planning every little detail of it. You're going to go here. You're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We just know these guys have done it a bunch of times. They're professionals. And we just watch the situation play out. But even in that section, the shootout is really the... The, the hit on the swivel from, yes, from the, Val Kilmer exactly. is like... The, the heist itself is very smooth, very quick, very well paced, and like doesn't go on for too... And it's not complicated either. Mm-mm. It's not some genius thing that they you know concocted together. So I did appreciate it. It's like, Okay, well, to differentiate yourself, yeah, make this more of like an Ocean's Eleven style thing. Exactly, that's we got all of this sort of stuff we got to do on top of like, but yeah, but then we can still have machine gun fights, etc. Oh, dude! So, in the midst of the midsection, everything Donnie gets picked up. We mentioned Big Nick rolls up to the bar, yeah, ends up coming out to his car, tasing him in the chest, and then he wakes up, and we're in like a party pad with hookers and the whole like major crimes unit, and they're basically like. Hey, dude, like, we're going to fucking kill you. Like, you know. We got you. Yeah. You, you, we don't send you to jail. We don't like doing paperwork. So, like, if you don't tell us what we want to hear, we're just going to ice you, basically. And they don't really get much out of him other than, like. I'm the driver. Yeah, I'm the driver. Here's the next thing we have coming up, blah, blah, blah. And they're basically like, we'll be in touch. So, we have that lingering thread. Now I'm thinking, like, okay, well, this has almost like a departed sort of angle. Right, Because now, like. Is he going to be working on the inside? Is he going to feel like he betrays these guys? And a little bit of a Fast and the Furious thing as well. Like, is he going to end up betraying? I guess I should say Point Break, but, you know, more modern references yeah. for our audience, I suppose. Uh, so I liked all that interplay. And again, we're a bit of a bit of wheel, wheel spinning, excuse me. And I assume this is in the theatrical. Because we continue with Jerry's wife. Excuse me, with Big Nick's wife. Oh, where he goes and like he he's goes drunk. and delivers the oh, papers. Yeah, yeah. God, give me a hug. Give me a hug. Yeah, we'll save a fortune on therapy. Uh, <laughs> save a fortune. All on of that, therapy. dude. And again, dude, I'm like, okay, well, that is clearly the that's the scene Pacino. where he goes. But you cannot watch my fucking television. Yeah, yeah. that's that scene. That's oh, yeah. their version of it. And I was like, okay, I dig it, but I don't need any of this. I really don't. And we're at like. We're at the two and a half hour mark, and I'm just like, I don't care about Jerry and his ex. I'm like, he's a piece of shit. Like, Pacino is redeemable in Heat, even all, given all of his flaws, because he's a brilliant police officer. And he saves Natalie Portman's he's life? He's a fucking genius. Yes, right. and he saves Natalie Portman, 
And he goes, you know, 110% goes tip for tat. And he has respect, respect for his adversary. Gerard Butler has zero respect for Merriman. We come here for the ass. Established by the hope of fucking Benny Hanna scene, dude. <laughs> we come here for the ass. <laughs> I, dude, hey, st- bro, we got family here. We got family don't here. Pre- don't really appreciate, don't appreciate you popping, popping off. off. I say something wrong. <laughs> oh my god, dude! When he, and again, that is essentially, I guess, their like, you know, the I, diner scene. I don't. That's know, their yeah. version of it. But cut to but what is the point of this dude? Why does he come up and like call out Donnie in front of everybody? Other than, of course, it leads to like, oh, they're gonna think he's a rat or he's a mole or whatever. Like, I get it, but it's also just like, dude, you're working a case on these guys. Like, you're in the same right. Like, did no. you need to do this? No. Did you need to take it you, to the you slot? were forgetting the biggest flaw, the, the most giant gaping plot hole in this entire movie. When they are about to go into the final bank scene, he says aloud, easy, let them take the bank. They haven't committed a crime. Two scenes ago, you let felons handle armed weapons, like firearms, in a shooting range. You let known felons. You said, he just got paroled. They're all out of jail now. (laughs) You could take them to jail for that. But and no, your dude. buddy would not die in a shootout later. But that dude, death is on you, sir. They're a dick measuring contest at the shooting range. That is my fate. Dude, that is, I call this entire thing with them is who's got a bigger dick. Yeah. And Gerard Butler's going to prove it because what's he going to do? He's going to fuck Merriman's stripper girlfriend. <laughs> to the point that when he comes home yeah, and Sherry Butler comes. Need, do we need all of this? I, dude, that is, that, is my, that is what, to me, I appreciate about this movie because it's like, I can read it. And I was looking at it in the theater. I'm giggling to myself because I'm having a fucking blast. And Becky's like, what are you? I'm like, I'll explain later. And finally, I'm like, listen, that guy wanted to make heat. Okay. Because he, he wanted to. And this is not heat. And But it also knows it's not heat because there's no way that Pacino would go f- try and fuck De Niro's girlfriend. Like, he that doesn't happen. Yeah, He probably easily could, but, like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. You know? It just the like guns on the table. Jerry Butler's just shirtless, and his tattoos keep moving. By the way, there's tattoos in different places. Right. Every time you see him without his shirt off, and he just all right, all right. He just and then walked. of course you realize like she's like, yeah, I did what you told me to, and you're like, ah ha ha. That that's my he, thing. I, that's yeah. what I like about this is because it's like low key trying to tell you that like. De Niro was probably his favorite character in Heat when he was thinking about this and writing this. It was like, yeah. I'm going to make De Niro the better, like, my my bad guy adversary, well, he's really going to be in charge. Again, that's my whole thing is I'm like, yeah, I really like Pablo in this movie, so give me more. Where's the balance, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Heat, Heat is all about these two figures, and we basically, it's almost split time between them. I'm sure you could do like a side-by-side. Right. And I'm curious... Like, is it the Donnie factor? Is it the fact that we're kind of juggling three leads? Yeah. And not just two? And you're also kind of sitting there wondering, like, why so much Donnie? Right. Like, why this character? And it doesn't doesn't click, but then when it pays off, it fucking pays off. Right. So I get all of that, but part of me is just like, give me a little less of Big Nick at home with his horrible relationship with his wife. And And children. 
and having to like go talk to the kids at school through a fence. Well, and you stuff. know what's like, funny is you said Ray Velcoro, and I, when you said Ray Velcoro, I instantly thought of like, oh yeah, dude, he does go I see was, his kid. Dude, while I was watching it, I literally had a flash to the scene of when his son brings the badge to school and is like showing his friends, and I literally got choked up thinking about it while I'm watching <laughs> Den of Thieves, and I was like. Wait, Dude, I'm not watching crying it. Scenes, and I was like, no, I'm definitely crying. <laughs> That's a true detective. That is still some of the, the scenes with him and his son are some of the saddest things I've ever seen on television. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're just devastating. What, um, Twelve years old. Fuck you. <laughs> Do you want to watch this friend show? I guess. <laughs> like, oh god, when they have to interact with each other in front of like the supervisor. Oh my just, god, terrible. Oh. Makes your stomach churn, dude. Rough stuff. Okay. Back to Den of Thieves. All right. So the big, basically the big plan is they are going to rob Rob the the Federal Federal Reserve Reserve by intercepting money before before it's shredded. It's shredded. Because at that point, uh, theoretically, the serial numbers will be erased. No one will be looking for this fake cash that you had. And they do do a flashback to where, like, they did rob and they had a ton of money. And the guy that gets killed in the opening is like, maybe we should just pack it up, cash out, you know? Um, why do this when you can have $30 million clean? And you're like, wait, what? And so you get a little bit more of the backstory. We do a little bit more world building, I guess. A fun, lightful scene, a light scene that I, I told Perk last night. I didn't know if I would talk to you about it or not. But I feel like I have to because it's been in like every movie since Bad Boys 2 is the boyfriend comes to meet the girlfriend and like the dad has to talk about it. You said every movie since Bad Boys 2, but that was one of those where I was like, okay, this is literally the scene from Bad Boys 2. But it's like they kind of one up it or try to by the sheer amount of dudes. And there's no joking. It's not played as a joke. It's it's played played as completely serious. They're not joking around. it's not, but yeah. Yeah. And then I just like, I've been a protector for 16 years. Now I'm going to trust that to you. And there's just like Samoan looking dudes. Just like you get it that it's all their JSOC, Marsoc brothers. But when they all are laughing at the end at that kid's expense, that was when I was like, I fucking love this movie. This well, is like amazing. That honestly is key, and I I keep saying I want more of it, but that right there lets you know that like these guys are at least human, essentially, because right. you haven't gotten that much detail to them thus far, and you haven't gotten a lot of like what's the motivating factor for these guys. Like, is it a the action is the juice sort of situation, oh, or is there something deeper to it? And that just nailed for me that you have like, I guess kind of the family aspect of like the fast and the furious movies and stuff. It's just like, these guys are brothers in arms. They came home together. They're like making a living and a life the only way they know how. Mm-hmm. So that, that little tiny moment does kind of cement that for me, even yeah. though I do wish there was a little bit more where I didn't have to read between the lines about like, what's the deal with these guys. Right. Um, I just want a little more depth. That's all. But great scene. Very funny. And, you know, totally plays. And like I said, I mean... 50 Cent, I thought, did amazing. To, to Bad Boys too. Yeah, again, I, like, I think he is perfectly understated in this movie. They don't give him, like, too, too much to do. But he, he, he does what he's got to do, and he nails it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what... I will say, the entire third act of this movie is kind of a tour de force. Because it does not stop. Uh-huh. We we basically go into the bank heist, 
which is just a diversion and a setup, essentially, for the big heist. Right. Which is the Federal Reserve. But we essentially, we go straight from that, where they go in, they take hostages, they make demands for a chopper, money, etc. They lock the place down, they blow the vault, so they think. And then we eventually reveal that, like, nope, they just tunneled out, and hey... And you get They're a little bit. Of, you get a little bit of Big Nick being a smart cop because he's like, "What's underneath here? What's this thing I'm looking at? Oh, that's sewers, huh? Okay, yeah, we got to go right now. Like, what are you talking about? No, 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 we're not waiting around. As soon as he realized there's a sewer that runs underneath there Pico Rivera, yeah. there he was like, "Nope, we're going. That's it. Let's go." So they're a bit behind them. They catch up. They obviously realize the the Federal Reserve job is going down. So we have Pablo and Fifty Cent and Fifty Cent go in. Basically, like they're doing a money drop from Pico Rivera, the place that they're robbing. Yes, that's why they needed the van that they stole. Armored truck, the yep. armored truck that was empty. Right. Yes. They take it. I I love the the process of this. Essentially, like they actually stick with it. I love that it's not some quick cutty. Like they actually genuinely draw out the tension of like, are they gonna pull this shit off? Mm-hmm. And I love that they've done you know just enough setting up. They have the one kind of like, well, here's what we got to do. Here's the plan. But they don't tell you too much about it. There's still enough that like reveals itself to you as it's happening. And essentially, they take in these two big like cages of money. Mm-hmm. They go into the shredder room, and then they have Cheddar Bob. <laughs> but, uh, is it Bosco in the movie? Is that yeah, his name? Bosco. Yeah. They have him do some computer magic. They take down like the low... They take down the power for that section where it's like the count rooms have to stop. They pull everybody out and then they need to blast EMP in there as well. Mm -hmm. And so we reveal that Donnie is literally inside one of these cages of money. Holding an EMP device. He busts out. He bags up all the hundreds that are supposed to be Yes, all the ones that are about to be shredded. Separates them into different bags, like, and then it's going in with the trash, right? Which they, they set up down the shredder, yep. and they're essentially just marking, like, instead of blue bags, bags or black bags, bags. exactly. Which, Very simple. And again, they don't fly. I love that they don't ever stop to like spell out everything that's going to happen. We just like get to see it play out in right. real time, and it clicks. It's good visual storytelling. It's well thought out. It makes you feel smart as you're watching it, and also has the tension of like, oh shit, but like. What's going to happen? Because now these guys are coming back into the room. They only had this two-minute window. And is Donnie going to be able to get out of there in time? He goes through the vents. He comes back down. He's in his uniform. He takes the food delivery in that he planted like days ago. So it's disgusting as shit. uh, And delivers it to the ladies late. Doesn't get a tip. And then the tension of him at the door trying to get out where it's like, Did you sign in? Man, I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, sign in with another guy. I wouldn't do when he said I signed in with another guy like a little bit ago. I, I was like, dude's about to say like I've been here all day or yeah. something like that. Like, dude, you're fucked. And then he get. I love that he gets out, and then there's the whole like stop that delivery boy. Like, oh my god. And then he still makes it out. He's all good. But as he thinks okay. he's all good going down the street, guess what happens? Big Nick's on the case, yes. and they're like, get him. This is and that is almost. Kind of the the Val Kilmer moment, I guess, of just like, oh shit, for sure. They take him, they apprehend him, and then 
we get into some some LA traffic, which is Atlanta track traffic, of course. You right. know they shot this in Atlanta. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. all Atlanta. Yeah, I do they like do a decent I, job. Yeah, Atlanta of does look it. a little bit they like Southern California. Decent, yeah, the traffic definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so I love this setup where it's like bottlenecked. Yeah, they know they're coming. Completely gridlock traffic. Because literally, there's a like the, my favorite thing this is, is like essentially. They know, this is the Sicario scene, like jacked right. up to a bazillion, because just with the they, sheer amount of like firepower. There's that moment where it's like, you know what? They could literally just get out of the car and just like dip between cars and run. But there's a scene where Fifty Cent just is just like, give my vest, and like Bosco's like, here's your vest, here's your vest, give me the saw. All right, fantastic line delivery, I, and yeah, the moment of just like, yep. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're going to bang it out right now. Yeah, let's Here do we it. Go. Yep. Let's let it pop off. The action is the juice. Apparently. Maybe, yep. <coughs> I got that vibe from Pablo Merriman. Yeah. I get it. Like from him alone, it's like it doesn't matter what it is. The action is the juice. If he got to like get away with that money clean, great. But if he didn't want, he just. I get this. Like he led people in doing fucked shit, and he came home and could not do it. Mm-hmm. What could he do and be that leader again? Right. It's this. Because the entire movie, it is all him. It's all him throughout everything. Throughout this gun battle, it's all him. I'm not cuffing Dude, he, up. I got an empty clip, but I'm still charging at you. And even though Jerry Butler's like, don't shoot him in the chest. What does he do? Ten times in the I chest. I was going to say, he sets that up like from the get-go. He says, the subjects are wearing body, body armor. armor. Only limbs or headshots. And I was like, and then you proceed to shoot this dude in the chest. Like, yeah, multiple times. After he's already shot you in the hand. Yes. When Pablo initially, though, before this all pops off, when he's like, grab me the saw and he sets it up on the front, like sets it up on the front end, looking through the the back of the, yes. And then just starts letting fire. Now I watched this with headphones. I, I do have to say, the sound design is nowhere near as impeccable as the as the heat sound design. No, no, it's just no, no. not. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have that intensity, and it is a little more like um, quantity over quality in terms of like, well, we got a lot of bullets though. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and also, he is like, but he is like down in like a downtown. And I think that's the thing we remember about heat is the fact that like when the a gun st- goes off and there's nowhere for the sound to hit, it's right. going to come the way back. It fl- travels between the buildings. Of course. So like, yeah. And the other big thing with that scene is the the setup of it and the geography of like understanding where everybody is is really well communicated. And that's why I love that this is pretty simple setup. Right. Gridlock traffic. Guys on one end, guys on one end, and somebody flanking in between. Right. And your escape is further into the, you can either go further into the gridlock or you can bust a left and like try and get, try and get away. Right. Yeah. And I love, I mean, we haven't really mentioned it all, but all of the, you know, I'm, I'm not like a a huge gun guy. I'm not aware of how so, but all of the technical aspects and the, the actors training, for instance, all that feels very well executed and natural. All of these guys look very, very comfortable. No, no, you talk about who's got a bigger dick. They split them up into two separate boot camps, and they they went they pitted themselves against each other in actor boot camp. Interesting. Yeah, Jerry Butler obviously leading his crew, yeah. and Pablo leading his, and they competed against each other over who could be better. Two who, separate boot who camps. Won? 
I don't know. They don't. They don't ever say. They just said like competition was really fierce, and I'm like. Of course, this guy wants to be Michael Mann. He's gonna send him to boot camp. <laughs> yeah, he wants them doing. The- but they all they all look like very confident, and it all looks. Oh, that tack when when the scene where the, they're yes, tacking the up tactical aspects of it. The tack up scene where it's like, all right, we're getting everything together, and they're like everybody's. It's like okay, yeah. There's no in the air tonight, blowing like going wrong. But like I I could fucking dig it. Let's ha- get. Haven't even mentioned the score, which is slightly understated. But it's our boy uh, Cliff Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, man. I dug it. A lot of low droning sense and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like yeah, a little more chill than like a, a winding reference score, for instance. But uh, he still. I don't feel like he phoned this one in. I think this was his like. It's my opportunity to do like. Straight up a Michael Mann score, circa yeah. not, you know, kind of Moby-ish. My, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Moby-ish. Yeah, yeah okay. But uh, I think, yeah, I think he nails it. Me too. So we get... Shootout is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, 50 goes down... No, who goes down first? Bosco. Bosco goes down pretty unceremoniously. In the, between the cars, yeah. Yes. Uh, 50 eventually gets dropped as well. We lose a couple cops. Essentially, it boils down to... Merriman versus Big Nick. Right. And they get into more of like a, a foot chase, which is pretty solid. Again, all of the, this kind of like breathless stretch of action from the the bank heist into the like cool technical heist of the Federal Reserve into flat out like, you know, downtown LA action shootout, big guns, lots of machine guns. Pretty breathless. Yeah. Pretty like really engaging for a third act. And I got to say, I needed that mm-hmm. that level of payoff because the midsection here, there's parts of it. Again, mainly just the the big Nick at home stuff that I'm yeah. just like. like I said, if that, you lose it, this thing just like flows so much better. And I, I think, like, like I said, there is a German release of this that that's what they did, and apparently everybody's yeah. like, that's and the I one don't, to go for. I don't even necessarily mind the length, but it's like we can keep it at two and a half hours. Just give me more of the Merriman side of things, like you know. I'll have to look and see what was added to the unrated because I mean I I'm very I'm very curious because I still I felt even at two and a half hours that there was like because there it's was like, more it, to be mined. There. It's only like two fifteen two sixteen, mm-hmm. so there's not that much I think that was added in to the unrated version. I don't think there's a big big gap. Yeah, big shootout. It escalates like you said. Big Nick gets shot in the hand. Uh, Merriman. Takes takes one. Finally, it, does it go through the vest or does he take it in the side? I'm not quite sure. It takes it in the side and like it kind of gets him like through the vest, the like the most yeah. on the left side. But that's not that's fine. He can still make it from there. But he's gonna keep keep going. He's not. Yeah. He's not backing down. Not giving it up. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, to the point that he's got an empty magazine. Yeah. And he tells him just don't just don't make me do it. And, nope. Still. And boom, done. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, you know it's not quite. You know, I'm gonna hold your hand as you bleed out. Just two men existing together on a air for or an air. Blah, what am I saying? An airport flight strip. Where are they at at the yeah, end? Of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in a, a yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's that basically moment, just him being like, "I told you," but it's, I was not going to do this because yeah. he chose him like told you, and that was it. Yeah. So, so he goes out, and I'm like. Okay, fairly sad. Again, I don't know if we quite built up the like relationship between these two guys for it to like have a huge impact. But then, of course, he gets back to the van where they had Donnie cuffed up before this whole thing popped off, and he's gone. Like, all right, interesting. And then I start remembering. It's like, well, there's the big Hawaiian guy. 
that was kind of helping with stuff. I'm like, there's some other members of the crew. I'm like, but they're kind of like peripheral dudes, sort of, right? Right? It's like, no, you know, the core crew is 50 and and Pablo yeah. and, and uh, Bosco, MJ. Yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Was I watching a crew within a crew? Has this movie got something up its sleeve? Has it got a weird usual suspect? What's type ca- yeah, twist? is it all of a sudden gonna go usual suspects? So I mean, sure enough, it does. And the hey, basic Donnie been around here. I quit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dude, why would he still be working that job? It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I guess he needs him to go there just to like piece it together. But yeah, walking out front and being like. The Federal Reserve's right here. How did I not know? Oh, wait, these two employees that like, we've seen earlier that were working there? Yeah, oh, like, shit. Uh, yeah, okay. great police work. I'm glad you made the connection now. You've yeah. been to this bar like three or four times at this point. Anyways, the reveal is Donnie is the mastermind behind all of it. I love the moment earlier where Fifty asked, like, how are you getting all this information? Like, this is a lot of details about the Federal Reserve. Like, what the hell's going on here? Don't worry, it's solved. Don't, yeah, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, what's going to be the big mystery man reveal? Like, who's behind all this? And then, yeah, it's Donnie's baby, basically. He right. brings this heist to Merriman's crew. And you basically realize that, like... Merriman tells him straight up, if we do this, it's my crew, my way. He's like totally understand dude let's do it and what you don't i didn't pay attention to it till the second time i saw it i didn't even pay attention to the fact that there's two different dump trucks and that they had switched them there a la fast and furious five and so because you had the big dude that was in predators that's driving the one that was like they're all football hooligans Mm -hmm. they all played football together like or america sorry it's like the difference between american football and european football Merriman's crew, they all played American football together. Mm-hmm. Donnie's crew, they all played soccer together. That's the big difference right. between the two. So much so that now, well, where 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 the hell they all go? Oh, they're they're in London. Next to the Diamond Exchange. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. And something Perk told me about um the guy that comes in at the end that works there, that's an MMA fighter, apparently. I had no idea. Just a random cameo. But it's so- like yeah. Are we assuming that Big Nick is going to, you know, track them to London and he's going to be part of it? Like, is Gerard Butler back in the sequel or no? So far, he had already signed on and he's already talking about how it's going to be like, you know, a little bit different in tone, but still intense. But I don't know if they've actually been able to sign O'Shea Jackson Jr. yet. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, but it goes back to one of my favorite things. It's It's almost like the... The usual suspects where it's like, and like that, he's gone. But yeah. it's like, I'm in complete control of my environment at all times. Nobody knows it. Well, yeah. And it's I basically love that like, bit, dude. Okay, the, so what was this your plan all along? Is basically like, I'm going to use the other crew as a diversion because obviously I Obviously, they've like, got the muscles. They know what they're doing. I've never well, fired a gun before. Exactly. All and I've I, done is I'm drive. I'm going to work this like you know, deep-seated resentment from high school football between these guys. And it's like, I know he's going to want to go after him. He won't even be looking for me. Right. He'll think he's got me apprehended in the car. Meanwhile, I've got all my boys, like, figuring well, you, everything I mean, out. You get, the the I- you get the idea that, like, had they not scooped him up on the street, he would have hooked up with the Samoan dude. And then they would have hooked up with the guy in the dump truck. And they would have just gone. They'd have been gone then. The only thing they have to like get through is like, hey, somebody come get me because I had to get out of these handcuffs and get out of the, you know. And with as long as that like 
And that's the beautiful thing about it. As long as that gunfight goes but on. But was that his plan all along to get picked up by them? No, I don't think it was. He has the handcuff pick like ready to go. Oh yeah, that's true. Maybe and he, they, just... he has his buddy radio. Donnie got burnt to Merriman's crew. That's why I took it at the end that it's like he had pulled this heist on the crew itself. Like he planned to sacrifice all of these dudes essentially. Oh no, it was they were totally set. It's set up like he was planning to double cross yes, fifty and them's okay. crew regardless. Yeah. And that's how it to me was always set up and played. Like he planned on doing it from Jump Street. Like he wasn't, there was no, because like, yeah, he was a Marine. He kind of knew the guy that got shot in the opening because that was his entrance to Merriman. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, might have even lucked up that that happened because that guy could be like, wait a minute, dude. Like, um, you know, Donnie's not really one of us. He hasn't even like fired a weapon. Yeah, he's a Marine, but like he never saw combat. What are you doing here? But that guy that was like Donnie's link getting nixed, then it's like, well, of course, Merriman's going to have to just, all right, I'll trust Donnie. I'll take his plan and we'll go do this. Yeah. And they're going to get so blinded by like the score that, you know, yeah, I can just easily slip in here. All this, all I need to do is just make sure that when the money leaves, I know where it's going. They can think they know where it's going. Mm-hmm. but I know where it really is because essentially, like I said, if they get out and that dump truck switches and Donnie's left to walk on foot, which is the plan all along, you know, he's, Oh, I got to deliver the food and get out. He hooks up with the guy that's been doing the telecom stuff who Merriman was just happy to be like, they all got burned. They're done. It's us now. Mm-hmm. We got all this money, but they could have just gotten together in the truck, met up with their buddy, the big Russian looking dude from predator. And then they all just go or yeah. predators. Sorry. And they out they they bail. They're like they're, you know, before Merriman and his crew even get jacked, they're on the first plane to London. Yeah. So where, where I, are you at? What are you thinking? What are you honestly giving this on a number scale? I'm a, I'm at like a seven point five. Okay. Again, super size. It's definitely one of those like if it if it was on cable randomly or like pops up on a streaming service again, like I throw it on. I enjoy. I definitely watch. Like I honestly, if I'm being real. I would probably just fast forward to like the last 45 minutes of this yeah. movie, which I think is pretty unassailable. Um, again, give me, I'm excited that there is a sequel in the works. I really want that Merriman prequel though. I think Pablo Schreiber is pretty incredible in this movie. And I, w- well, I want know. more of him. In, I want him. He, that's the thing. Again, we're kind of, we kind of got three leads here, but I like, give me a Pablo Schreiber movie where he is the dude. Like, the dude. See, there's another one where he is more of a dude that's on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Where he, d- he is doing bank robbery heists. But if you like this level of Pablo, you're definitely going to like him in 13 hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Because he has that level of intensity, but he's also like the joke prankster one of the group. A la like the Chris Pratt of the Zero Dark Thirty guys. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like joking about stuff. But like it's like not really a joke because, you know, these rebels are kind of closing in. That's kind of the level he's at in the Benghazi movie. He's, okay. you know, he's holding down the, the fort with a saw, but he's got a sense of humor and like, he's ready to go toe to toe. Um, and again, he's, there's some other movie he's been in. I don't know if he's done anything big since this movie. I know there was one that came out on Netflix not too long ago, but I think he might've been like the villain or like the antagonists that like, well, I don't, I don't know, but, We'll check it out. Yeah. Okay. 
But no, I, I'm glad I watched it. Good, Thank I'm you glad for you... making me watch it. It definitely to to write it off as ju- as simply a a reheat, if you will. Uh, I think is kind of disingenuous. It it borrows heavily from it. It's clearly mm-hmm. indebted to it. But it's also trying to do its own thing. And there's enough with the, again, the kind of more heisty, plotty side of things yeah, that I really enjoyed. And I, I also enjoyed, I, from from a surface level, I think you would look at this movie and think like, oh, well, the plotting is probably like pretty dumb or like simplistic or whatever. But it's really not. It's It's pretty well presented and like it keeps you engaged the whole time. And again, the reveal of how everything played out, I'm like... It didn't like completely blow my mind, but it all what it blew my mind in as much as like that all hung together. Like that was all really well set up and well yeah. executed, and it didn't feel like oh well, we just tacked this on because we were like kind of want to throw it out there that maybe we'll do a sequel because you wouldn't necessarily think this movie at two and a half hours long is something that is setting up a sequel, right? But all of a sudden it happens, and you're kind of like, well, I guess I'm on board for it, even though like. Most of the guys I was invested in are dead at this point, but like I'd watch more of this world, I guess, yeah. and this this tile. Uh, notes for the second one though is I just like bring in a little more of the of the comedy. I could use a little little more in that direction. Embrace your, you know, garbage crime, your garbage crime genre, vibes, and yeah. like you, you know, because don't, don't the- that's one that's one thing to to not do is just don't don't be self serious about it because. Say what you will about Michael Mann, they are very serious movies. You know, there's no, there's no yeah, winking no, there's at the no, camera bullshit. No, <laughs> there really yeah, there's no winking nods to the cameras. I get, yeah, nothing in. You talk about that in Miami Vice. Like, there's not, there's nothing even like fully approaching a joke. The closest thing is like Jamie Foxx faking an orgasm. Like, that's pretty much the biggest laugh in that whole movie. Uh, I always but I laugh love how at- deathly serious it is. I always laugh at man. There's undercover, then there's which way is up. That yeah. I always get a laugh at, and then the Josiero of it all. Oh yeah, I, I laugh at that all the time. Crazy but it's pig, all dude. dark. It's like right, it's not. Yeah. Man, it's, there's I no levity it's to what, it. It's what I said in Heat. It's like you're not laughing at it because the movie's telling you to laugh at it. You're laughing at it because it's just like this. This is great, man. Yeah. This is so good. Yeah. So yeah, I I will remove all of my previous negative comments about the movie when I teased you about it when I had not seen it and I was just like fucking Den of Thieves man like you're gonna put Den of Thieves on your list um it was a good time it was a really fun time yeah uh, I will totally go Listen, see the sequel with you day one as as I've uh, said many a time up. not a bad way to spend ten dollars in January I mean again no. this was the old time the ancient times when we got to go to movie theaters with people and not have to wear masks and more people were out doing them. It was last decade. I don't know if you remember. It was not too long ago, but it still feels like it was forever ago. Um, it was in a actual chain movie theater. Do you remember AMC, Noah? Yeah. Do you I remember do. Regal? Yeah, I yeah, do. It was in one of those. Congratulations. Yeah. Sounds like you had a really good time. It was a nice Sunday I, afternoon. I will say as well, and we're, we're not deciding on other two-by-twos right now, because we'll talk about what we're going to do next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I do think this has encouraged me to, like, maybe I need to watch a few more of these mo- movies of this ilk oh, dude, from the last few. I and I feel like you've got a treasure trove of them. But maybe, you know, we made an exception for 2 by 2 retro reviews. You can give me whatever you're going to give me, but I'm just telling you, I'm going to I'm gonna check out a few of these things. Sleepless, go- Little Contraband. Yes. You know. I'm so happy you're going to watch Sleepless. i got to go back and watch that again. 
Just for Scoot McNary, Noah. Scoot, the Scoot of it all. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I like Den of Thieves. You obviously love it. You know, we either somewhere in this episode or maybe on the tail end of it you might hear a bit of a conversation that you had with your friend Perk. Yes. Also about Den of Thieves, a little, a little deeper in the den. On the anniversary of Den of Thieves. And you guys out. saw it together in theaters? No, yeah. it wasn't him. I, I actually uh-huh. I went with Becky. He had oh, watched yeah. it a long time ago, but it was one of those like, I'm watching it, but there's like a lady friend over, gotcha. so am I really watching it? Because he told me like, dude, that ending, I was like, I thought you'd seen it. He goes, I mean, I, I, yeah, but, but I, I was like, and I was like, oh, I get it. I know right, what you're right, doing. Right, I got right, you. Right. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, we get into some of that. Um, he, he gives this critique of like 50 Cent, how he's acting, how corny the other black guy is that's on the sheriff's side. He's like, oh, I've seen him okay. in this. He's, it's it's a good time. I'll, well, I look forward to hearing yeah. it whenever you get it together. And again, it'll either be on the tail end of this episode. It might be a bonus episode uh, or it might be on Patreon. I, I don't know. At some point, you're going to hear that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts? We will tease. I don't I don't know what we have planned in the meantime. I think the next thing you and I are doing together is the little things. Little things. Little things drops at the end of this month. It's a little things like trunk space. Yes. That's what you got to worry about. <laughs> you and I are going to watch that one, give a, a fairly early review. I don't know if it'll be day and date, but we will definitely be watching that. And at the end of that episode, we'll pick out two more. That two works. by two retro reviews. That works for so me. So be ruminating on what you want to do, and I will demand that it cannot be past 2010. That's oh, yeah, no, this was just a special exception because it was January, my birthday month. I'll be 33 when we do that recording because that's going to come out on the 29th, the little yeah. things. So it'll be a little birthday celebration yeah, exactly. slash that, that. on brand new, brand spanking new movie review. Mm-hmm. Again, that's going to be on HBO Max. If you don't have it, maybe and you want to sign up. Who's your money on again, Noah? My money is on Leto. Okay. So until then, I have been Noah. And I've been Gavin. We've been the Blanchard Brothers. And we got family, family here, bro. bro. really don't appreciate, appreciate you popping, popping off. <laughs> hey, hey, we're sorry. Your family's beautiful. <laughs> have a great night. You know, he just, well, I say something wrong? What? I just, I, I come here for the ass. <laughs> food here sucks. Coming for the ass. Like, you're at Benihana. The food here sucks? What is wrong with you? You Gim, relax, Donnie. They're not going to kill you now. It's too high profile. Like, that's your whole reason for going in? Not a good cop. No. A tough cop. Doesn't not he a good cop. Doesn't, he, doesn't the FBI call him a bad lieutenant? Does he yes, not call him a good. bad lieutenant in the opening? Oh, my God. still driving home i normally don't get to do this because noah it's like two hours so it's like okay i really he's sitting over there like popping tops on beers i'm like thanks ma'am just gonna drink my water
All right, so Den of Thieves. What can we say about Den of Thieves, Burke? Fooled me. Really? Yeah. Like, in what way? I was sitting there getting into the movie or whatnot, and I expected a real big role out of Ice Cube's son or whatnot. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, man, this nigga a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, this nigga's a straight bitch. And he's getting beat up by Gerard Butler and them, and that little fucking, I can't remember that black guy's name, but fucking... Tyler from fucking Sons of Anarchy. That's who. Yeah, that's the only other thing I know him from. He was on another movie. I just can't remember it. But I didn't like his character too much because I was just like, man, can the bad guys actually win some? And then when it got down to the nitty gritty of the gunfight at the very end and whatnot, and then the guy that looks like fucking Ryan, and he fucking gets gunned down by damn Gerard Butler. I was like, nah, this shit sucked ass. And then they say, you know, when fucking he goes back to his truck and then O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s gone. I'm yeah. Like, uh-oh. And they say, you know, how the end just balled it up and it showed his whole fucking master plan. I was like, holy was, shit. Yeah, that shit I was, was like, wild. I missed this shit because the first time I tried to watch that movie, I was on a date and it didn't go too well. It was like how, how I left y'all hanging in Call of Duty in the lobby room. Oh, like, okay. I coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, holy shit. And I was like, that shit just fucked my head completely up. I was like, and then you see Michael Bisping walks in at the end, trying to land. He's a he's an MMA fighter. Oh, that okay. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't I couldn't place him. Yeah, Michael the Count Bisping. Gotcha. I watched him on the Ultimate Fighter when he first got in the UFC. But that shit, I was just like, wow. On the scale of one to ten, I give that movie a nine for that one. Yeah, because it had great action. It had some great fucking damn acting. 50 Cent actually did pretty damn good. That's what I was going to ask you about, what you thought of 50 Cent, because I... He still looks like my fucking brother to me. <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of look like him. You're yeah, right. he caught his little beady eyes <laughs> and his damn teeth and the mouth and shit. I, I've re- well, I've read that, like, he's attached to the sequel, which actually has... A th- I don't know if that's going to be the title, but it's called Den of Thieves Pantera, and it's on IMDb, and it's like a, a continuation of the whole thing, because where we get left with him, like... Oh yeah, I was I was the mastermind because like I so I went and saw it in theaters when it came out and I remember being like this is re- like this has no business being this good in January because part of what this whole thing was is when we've done two by two retro review it's been movies that Noah's kind of found he wants me to watch ones that either he may have seen or he hasn't that I've made him watch and I've been trying to get him to watch this forever and so I'm interested to see what he has to say when I record with him tomorrow. But he hadn't, but he got really fucking excited when I gave him the DVD and was like, I'm making you watch this shit. It's kind of recent because yeah. we had kept it like it has to be at least like 10 years old. But I was like, fuck that. I'm doing this because the whole thing with January, which is my birth month, my birth month, my birthday's coming yeah, up a little bit. We've had about a month. On a Sunday, um, either Sunday or Thursday. One of those days. I have to look it up. I don't know. Whatever day it is, it's getting fucked up. Yeah. It's happening on me because you got me on my birthday. That's true. Because yours is like a month apart from mine, so um, I went and saw it on in on my in my birthday month. But normally January and kind of February, but January is where movies go to die. Like they drop movies off. They we call it dump months because that's what the IMD or the Wikipedia page calls it. Is but you have the occasional few like uh, like Deadpool came out in February yeah. around Oscar time, and like that killed at the box office. And then even like we got like. I don't know. Did you, you saw Bad Boys for Life, right? Yeah, dude. I we went. I went and saw that in theaters with Noah, 
and fully expecting like, okay, it's January. They dumped it in January. They don't know what they want to do with it. But again, fucking amazing. Set all these records for January. And then of course, because of COVID-19, it's the number one movie of the year at the box office, which is pretty dope. Yeah. Oh, honestly. Oh, honestly, it deserved it from last year. Did you see the Coming to America 2 trailer? Yes. I okay. I watched it, and I am so happy James Earl Jones stayed as black ass alive. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody is going to replace that. And then I saw Wesley Snipes black ass. I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember when we talked, you showed me where, like, Will Smith was down in, in Florida and, like, trying to get Eddie Murphy to come out of his um, yeah. trailer or whatever it was because yeah. they were announcing that. And I was like, oh, he shit, okay. I'm excited for it because I have racism, nothing but it, the beautiful things you know, all this black power shit going on. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's all these famous black actors that I grew up on. And that's the thing is, like, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this is that I felt like to bring it all back to O'Shea Jackson Jr. when he says, like, I'm in complete control of my environment and yeah. no one else knows. And then he's a soccer yeah. hooligan. And then you see the fucking guy from Predators, the Russian yeah. mob guy. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, when they was in the dump truck, and I was like, I didn't quite catch it until the very end. Right. He looked at that picture mm-hmm. on the wall at that pub, and I was like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> See, that's like a, I call that like a usual suspects type ending because, like, I feel like before Usual Suspects, there wasn't a big movie that like did this whole thing of I'm gonna come in and tell you this entire story, mm-hmm. and then at the end, I'm gonna reveal to you that like it was all bullshit. It was just this guy, you know. It, it, and it's kind of flimsy because it, it, it basically has to only, the movie only works if the guy he's telling the story to doesn't turn around and look at the, at the um, push pin board. Yeah. But it's one of these where it's like the misdirect. I mean, it, by the time I get to it, I'm not even thinking about it because I'm sitting here like, how are these guys going to rob the Federal Reserve without anybody figuring it out? And, and it was fucked up because they threw you off because they stole an armored car mm-hmm. that was empty. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, what the fuck are they plotting? And then the shit came about and shit, and they went and robbed that one place, and apparently it was just a bunch of dummies doing the shit. Right. And I was like, holy fuck. I said, these motherfuckers smart as shit. My favorite thing, though, it's a huge plot hole, is like when they're getting out of the of the truck to go into that savings and loan, Gerard Butler's like, all right, they're just going to the bank. They haven't committed a crime. And it's like, you went to a shooting range <laughs> where felons had guns, and you didn't stop any of them. What are you doing? <laughs> You just want, dude, you want this to happen. Like, you want that glory. Yeah. You want to tack up and go catch somebody. You're. And then the part when he goes to the fucking school and, you know, talks to his little girl and shit, mm-hmm. I'm just and like, this motherfucker's going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, okay, this is what we're gearing up for. Yeah. What did you think of, like, before we get to Pablo Schreiber, because he's probably my favorite of the bad guys, what did you think of, uh, I don't know the dude's name, but I'm just going to call him Cheddar Bob. Cause he oh, was Cheddar I, Bob. I saw Cheddar Bob. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "What the fuck are your ass doing?" Yeah, here? like randomly, he's the one. Like, obviously, the first the first robbery, one of their other buddies gets popped. Yeah, but like, and he's like, you know, hey, it went down, whatever, whatever. And he ate a fucking donut and throw it on the ground. And yeah, the FBI made a big deal about it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that whole Gerard Butler in this movie, man, he is like yeah, he next level. He is like he. I put him right next to Denzel Washington mm-hmm. in fucking um, Training Day. Mm-hmm. You know, as that good cop, bad cop, all in one. Right. And then how they kidnapped him and they made him piss himself and shit. Yeah. In a hotel room full of fucking hookers. I'm just like, what the fuck kind of police shit is this? Exactly. <laughs> and it's weird because it's like they're just sheriffs. They're just L.A. sheriffs. They're not 
they're not uh, FBI or like narcotics or vice. They're just sheriffs. That's it. And then hearing stories from my cousins and them because being born in Los Angeles, you know, you hear stories about that shit. I'm like, oh, bullshit. Cops are fucking good guys. You know, whatever, whatever. We just avoid them because we're supposed to be doing bad shit. When I saw that shit, they actually started bringing back memories. I was like, oh, God. So I was like, man, fuck. Yeah, anybody ever listen to this, the LAPD is fucking corrupt. <laughs> fuck nobody cares. I was born in North Los Angeles, trust me. Well, see, that's the thing is like, what did you what did you make of the whole the opening where it's like, oh, this is the bank robbery capital of the world. Yeah. All this. Do you like all right, I'm going to play. We're going to play a little bit of trivia. I'm going to give you four years and you have to tell me what year those stats are from, because it's not from recent. Those stats about a, a crime occurring every every eight minutes. Yeah, you gotta ask me this all right. So. Now. All right. All right. I'm going there. It's in the 90s. So we're going to go. You got four choices. You got 1997. 1999, mm-hmm. 1992, mm-hmm. or 1994. Think about that. Think about like cops, robbers. Think about like movies as well that are coming out in the early 90s that are all bank robbery. Just think about. What year the stats would be for? Because technically, I think if you read the stats right, it's actually every like sixty something minutes when it happens, not every nine or whatever. Yeah, but we're going. We're talking about twenty plus years ago right yeah. now. Yeah, this is so shit. Like, that's gonna be crazy. Don't, I mean, you can make a guess. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I thought it was shot in the dark. But I play dark. What's that? What do you got? What year? What do you think the years the stats are for? Which stats? The ones about it, like, so the, it comes up in the opening. It's like, oh, this is the bank robbery capital, all that shit. Well, when the opening came up, I gave it a somewhere around. That's a 97. It's actually from 92, believe it or not. Yeah. And that was the one time that L.A. was called the bank robbery capital of the world. And fun, funny enough, that is the year that this director graduated film school. From which film school? I think it's UCLA he went to. Uh, he hasn't really done much since. <laughs> That's oh, right, you. Yeah, I was gonna say that's right. You're a Trojan, um, but he hasn't really done much since. He's done more writing than he has. This is his first directing, first writing, and I haven't watched. Supposedly on the uh, Blu-ray or not the Blu-ray, the DVD I gave Noah, it's got a an alternate ending. I'm not sure what exactly happens with it, but apparently there's also a cut in Germany. They cut out all the stuff with. Um, Big Nick, Gerard Butler, they cut all this up with his family. So it's basically you you kind of get the I don't know if they were what they were going for trying to show me his home life and like, you know, is he really a good guy? But like the job is just bearing him down because he seems like he's having fun with it. Like he seems like he really fucking loves what he does. But then you get that anchor of the kids and and I I'm interested to, to see what it would look like without those because if you take the humanity, I guess, or like the wife and the kids angle out of it. It looks like these guys are just going balls to the wall, and they're just as ba- they're almost just as bad as the criminals are, you know. I can kind of relate to that because of some of the activities I do, you know. Because when you get that that rush, when right? You get it in you, and you know that you have nothing to lose. That's one thing. But when you know, my white Papa Jerry, Jerry Hughes, police officer, and I remember when the riot shit was flaming up or something or whatnot. I don't care what anybody think. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going home tonight because he has a wife to mm-hmm. go home to. Right. He has two grandchildren at home that's going to be waiting on him by any means necessary. 
You know what I mean? So I get both sides of that. That's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. It just, you, you saw him as this gung-ho guy. You know you're making like fucking 60000 a year. Yeah, if that. You're putting your fucking life on the fucking line. The rest of these bad guys, blah, 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 this and that. But it's like, are you doing it for the paycheck? And we, you doing it for the risk taking. And we agree they've 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 definitely robbed drug dealers before, oh, right? Yeah. Like they're not these aren't like the on the up and up. Like oh, they've yeah. had to rob at least one or two drug dealers before, yeah, right? They, they got a few off. Because uh, I mean, like he says, the way that he dressed, like when the FBI is like, oh, "What are you doing dressing like that, man?" Yeah. It's like, "Oh, what's this? This is terrible. <laughs> this is good. like nothing. This is not good at all. Look at your suit." Nice coat, man. Yeah, you know I mean, but fucking shit like that. I don't know. I just I wonder if it has a place in like action movies because I feel like there's certain things you can do to like maybe humanize somebody or to kind of like bring them back in and make you care about them more. But it's also like this is an action movie. Like I don't need that. Just give me like they really could have left that part out. But it also demoralized men for the simple fact that she started picking up his phone and going through it and seeing he was texting and kind of find out he was texting her from some secret shit from some other account she made as. How can I say it? That's, that's so 2000s. Yeah. Right now. The girls actually make fake accounts and try to bait and trap their men. And it's like, and he got caught. Yeah. You, you texted me that. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, she might whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah. And what about what would see the, what this and this is one of my favorite things throughout this is like the who's got a bigger dick between Jerry Butler and Pablo Schreiber yeah. because they're like I've the shit that like this cop does to track down this suspect is like he he, he, he just he, like goes he, he calls it a major law crisis. He's just like what like, are you man, doing? Like, he don't care. He bends the fucking rules no matter fucking what. He reminds me also too of like a version of The Rock, right? From fucking Fast and the Furious Saga. Yeah. If they want you, this is the man that they're going to see. Exactly. Because they know that he has zero fucks to give. Exactly. That yeah. And when he gets home, he's like, I fuck. Right. (laughs) And that's what I wonder because I don't. I I wonder how many people post that franchise's shift from it's about the cars to like around five, like we're talking about where it's like, no, it's actually about the heist. Like, what are we going to do? Because even in that, there's a and huge mystery. Oh yeah, dude, I forgot about that. Yeah, when he turned it into the ball from street racing to the original fucking Fast and the Furious first one, then it went to street racing and shit and they had the heist chick in there with the Jack and DB players and shit and fucking John Singleton, he saw that shit. And, hey, man, we're going to make this like a fucking heist. And literally every fucking Fast and the Furious since then has been about heist. Yeah. Like they're just making their money on the side. Mm-hmm. And do I knock them? No, because I understand it. I mean, I fuck. I love that fucking franchise. I feel like if anybody, like, and I'll get like two other mics, and we'll get Reem and Vance in here, and just go because I mean that's like a shared franchise between this friend group. Yeah. But at the same time, when it changes to being about the heist, it's like that's that's when it comes into how, my territory, right? Like, how do you make a bad heist movie? Like every just the idea <laughs> of it's fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, there's probably some bad ones out there, like the the whole, what is the one? Yeah, tell you, suck ass. Man. Yeah, I can, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's trying to, Jason Statham is just, he's he's there, but I mean, 
you know, you throw him again, you throw him in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, that, that I was not a big fan of that. The Hobbs and yeah. all. But I was just like, what the fuck are y'all doing, man? I'm interested to see what the new one does, just because. Oh yeah, and then at the fucking very end when they showed that Han didn't die, it's like, holy shit! How are they going to fucking fit that in? How are they going to explain that? Oh, I've always said, dude, he just he just there's a sewer right there where the car flips, and he just gets out. That's just that's been my my go. Y'all, y'all over that? They gonna see if Han got his little rice and nasty sewer? Because like I remember when. I don't know. I don't know if we saw five together. We definitely saw six is the last one yeah, with Paul Walker or seven. It was me, you. Was your it six old or lady. seven? No, it was six because it was me, you, your old lady, little brother Vance, his old lady, right? Me and my best friend at the time because I remember all the females crying at the very end. Oh yeah, whenever. you. <laughs> Did you? Dur- no, what, what was it? Six or was it seven? It was seven when that it was happened. Seven. Because yeah. oh, because d- it was right before my I, best friend's at the time's birthday, and I remember everybody walking the theater crying mm-hmm. whenever they was playing the Wiz Khalifa song. Oh, dude, I, was, I still can't listen to that yeah, song. I, I choked up like a motherfucker, and every time I hear that song, I think about Daniel. Yeah, yeah that's that, that the, Daniel song to me. Me too. No, yeah, trust me, like, that's fuck, dude. I told I told you about what happened later that night, right? What? Like I definitely when we were back at Vance's. I like I kept the crown label, black label I had, like in the dark. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of light on. I don't think he had his front porch light on. So I don't remember how much I actually drank. Yeah. And I just remember like, okay, I think I might be sick. I need to just go to the bathroom. I remember sitting on the on the toilet thinking, like, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna throw up. I'm gonna take a fucking shit. I'm gonna go go to bed. And for some reason I thought I should probably watch that end scene again. It's up on YouTube. And I watched that end scene again, and I just started bawling. Like, it's so sad. He had to die. What's wrong? And she, yeah, it was just, it was rough, man. And, like, I wonder, you know, what, because you see Brick Mansions with him? No. Okay. So there's two movies that came out in the early to mid, like, 2010s. I think it's D13 and D13 Ultimatum. And essentially, Brick Mansions is an American version of that. It's still got the French guy and he is basically the godfather of parkour and he made these movies in France to like showcase his parkour skills and essentially in the American remake they just sub Paul Walker in as the undercover cop that has to go into the brick mansions which is basically this like it's a walled off section of a city where like that's like the slums essentially but all of a sudden a nuke goes missing and they gotta send Paul Walker in to team up with this guy and like Stop the bad bad guys, and I think uh, the RZA plays the bad guy in this. Yeah, but it's it's good if you haven't watched. I think it might be on Netflix, but so all right. So Pablo Schreiber, the, the our main bad guy. What did you make of him? Have you seen him in anything else besides this? Because I don't know if he's been. I don't know. He's Pablo Schreiber is Merriman. He's only I only know of him from being in. Um, before this was being at Orange is New Black he was a security guard but he was also in 13 Hours the Benghazi movie that Michael Bay did and he kind of plays this a similar character except he's not a bad guy he's just a, he's not a, he's a, not an ex-soldier that's a bad guy he's a ex-soldier that's now a CIA operative and they're just kind of you know they're in this bunker in Benghazi like trying to protect the you know the embassy or whatever but for my money 
after watching this, I was like, dude, this guy needs to be in more stuff because he made a really good fucking bad guy. Like you, and to know, like get to the end of it and realize, oh, well, you know, he seemed like he was in control, but he got all of his shit from, from Donnie, from O'Shea Jackson Jr. Like he got all the info from him, you know, it was kind of, that was like one of the nicer parts of the twist. I was like, dude, he's been in control this entire time. And he took the whole fucking part. He's he taking ass whippings mm-hmm. and risking getting killed and shot in the fucking face and shit to make that shit happen. That was like, man, damn. I yeah. love that. I love that. The, and the idea that, like, he, like, brought this plan to him. He was going to take it to him and all that. And then he was going to double cross him and basically switch the garbage trucks mm-hmm. and make off with the money like nothing. I was like, damn, dude. That's fucking brilliant. You get the fucking, you get, because they say like he was a Marine for a year. Not, yeah. You get the hard ass veteran guys to go do you the, sh- the shit for you. And then you just basically, hey, I brought you this. And then whoop, I'm going to kind of pull it out from underneath you. And I'm ghost. I'm gone. I'm in the wind. You don't know where I'm at. Yeah. And I thought that was, for my money, that was like probably, that's my favorite part of the movie, the actual twist. But another favorite scene, I don't know how you feel about it. The scene, and I feel like it happens more and more movies ever since Bad Boys 2. The scene where you have the daughter about to go to prom or whatever, and then the date the date comes. Oh, dude! The huge Samoans, dude. Yes. He's like, hey man, what we're just trying to tell you is, you know, we're all, you know, we're all like daddies here, whatever. Like we're just a little concerned. No bullshit, but I watched that fucking that, that, that scene of the fucking shit. I'm just sitting there like, damn, Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take out Megan. <laughs> Which I did love that Reggie and Megan were getting married in the, the third. That the shit third, Yeah, me. that oh, shit was like, man. okay. Was like, he went off and became a Marine, and he's Jordan. Okay, good job, Reggie. I, hey, I can. Honest woman, I'm all way. Hey, that's the fucking big picture, man. You just take a woman and make an honest woman out of them and shit, man. I mean, it sucks you got to join the military to do it. Well, think about this. I didn't. I didn't know this. I didn't pay attention to this the first time I watched *In a Thieves*. But how about the whole thing with like Gerard Butler showing up, being like, "Oh yeah, we don't come here for the food. We come here for the ass." Yeah. And, and then like, over. yeah. And then like the next thing you know, it's like Maryman's girlfriend is like whispered to him. Yeah. And just him coming home and Gerard Butler just being walking out yeah. of the shower, yeah. and she goes off to the bedroom, and they just kind of look at each other, and he just looks at the gun and looks at him and shit. He's like, "Oh shit." That's it. And but and I remember that, but what I didn't remember was her being like, I did everything you told me to do, and I was like, Oh shit, man. Yeah. This guy is one step ahead. Again, because I'm thinking the entire time, he's the mastermind. Like he knows every he's he says it when like what's his face goes and takes pictures. You gotta know your enemy, boys. Like you gotta make sure you know who you're fighting. So like, yeah. oh okay, yeah, he's he's definitely like one step ahead of the game. But then you find out, of course, no, well, you know, he guys all his information from Donnie. And I don't know. I yeah, used yeah. I, I fucking love O'Shea Jackson Jr. I hope he's in oh, he comes he gets him to be in a lot more stuff. I know he was in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Right. That and then um obviously straight out of Compton. I'm trying yeah. to think of what else he's I don't know if he's got anything slated to come up. Yeah. So all right. Overall you got Den of Thieves at a nine. I definitely have it I as know, a, man. I put that up there with the sleeper movie I've seen called what was it called? Cry Wolf. 
Oh yeah, that movie was. People joke. forget about that one. Yeah, because it was like because it's so low budget mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever. And it's like all these rich, preppy ass kids playing that little bullshit ass game and shit. You know, whatever, whatever. Then all of a sudden they think the killer's real and shit. And all this time, it was that fucking ginger. It <laughs> 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 was the mastermind, and it was like holy shit. <laughs> Ever since that movie, I watched that movie. I've never trust women at all. <laughs> Because when she looked at him and said, even if that was all true, and if she had this crying look and see the makeup all fall off her face and shit, and if she just got dead ass serious, like, who believed you? I said, holy <laughs> shit. I said, oh, hell no, you might get us alone. Like, oh, fuck this. That is one of those early on ones that I was like, I don't trust. Like, that, that movie definitely made me not trust um, DVD box art. Yeah. Cause you got like the red, um, the red box. Well, you got the red hood face and like the oh, the shit. like the the wolf the hunting knife and all that. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. is about to be badass. And it's like it's good, but it's like that. It's it's it like could have been better. Yeah, could have been better. Just like me and somebody was having a conversation the other day. It was uh, my buddy Christina, and then it was like, what movie fucked you up as a child? Right. And I was sitting there like. Living in California, and we had all these exclusive fucking shit, and I don't think this movie ever touched a U.S. fucking theater because it was released overseas and whatnot. But I remember my mom's friend back home, Sarah. I think that was her name. My dad used to call her Whale Tail because she had this huge ass. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking, they brought this movie over, and it was like one of the third, might be the third horror movie I watched in my life, and it was called Rawhead Rex. That, I, that I feel like I up, remember yeah. seeing the the box art, but I've never yeah. seen it. I think I it know it. Clive Barker. I mean, I watch it now. I laugh at it and shit. And in all honesty, to me, that is one of the movies that deserves a remake. But that movie fucked me up as a child. Seeing this big, fucking eight foot fucking demon from fucking hell, and then when he snatched that fucking kid out the car, I was like, oh shit! <laughs> he killed the kid. I was like, damn. So the white people <laughs> don't take your ass in the fucking wood. But then it happened in fucking Ireland. I was like, oh god! It, it, it was just a crazy ass fucking movie. Y'all gotta watch it. This one part when he goes to a trailer park of all fucking places in Ireland. I was like, god damn! My forefathers got a fucking trailer park. Wow! Fuck and then he's fucking killing all these motherfuckers, and this guy just shows up with a shotgun and goes to shoot him in the back. And this motherfucker just like turns around and comes running full speed like a fucking running back. <laughs> It kills the guy. Oh shit! Jesus! It still runs through my head, man. I was like, every time I think about that movie, that's the only fucking part. Like, fuck. My whole, I heard Clyde Barker was actually in the talks of doing a remake, but I heard they went to development hell as a lot. God, of shit. dude, that that could be. Like, have you seen now? They're they're talking about rebooting the entire Resident Evil franchise again, without Mila Jovovich, without W. S. Anderson. Okay, Mila Jovovich or whatever the fuck her name is. Okay, you're hot. Sex sales. So you were a sexy woman and you sold the fucking movie, but let's get to the real shit. And I think that's what this one's supposed to do. It's supposed to be like to the game. Yeah, like, like the store. The you seen the trailer for the new one? Oh, dude, Village? I'm yeah. all over it, man. I'm hey, waiting for that, that shit. I, I, I think it's supposed to be werewolves. I have no idea, but I'm I'm ready for it because I got you know we had two like two years ago. Three came out last year. But I heard it was also remaking four. I, that's it's what I'm on the RE dude. engine now. That's I, I would love that shit, man. Oh, that's right, that is my I'm talking. That was the fucking one that set the standard. Mm-hmm. It was like holy shit balls. I got to play that shit. 
obviously she got new Nazis zombies too, but what I'm seeing in the gameplay, I'm just like, holy shit, that shit is fucking wicked. Yeah, I started playing through. Um, I didn't even bought the fucking game yet, so I started playing through through Cold uh, Cold War, and I remember some of the stuff from like the the Black Ops games, but it's like not. I mean, it's vaguely there because like my my favorite story was like Modern Warfare because that's what we always played. So, like, I dug into that, and it was, like, I think there's a nod to, like, the bad guy in the first Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the the Russian dude, the bald guy. Yeah. He shows up in this one as, like, a younger version of himself, and he's, like, all in the Kremlin, and, like, he's searching for the the undercover mole in the USSR or whatever, but I haven't played the zombies on it yet. I've just, I've only gone through the story just because I, I don't know if, if I can even get back on, like, online first-person shooters because I'm... I'm getting old, man. I'm getting terrible at that. It's just not, not what it used to be. Yeah. I'm getting like insta killed by like eight year olds, and I'm just like, what yeah, am I doing with my life? Fuck you and your mom. <laughs> <laughs> your fucking mom's basement. Exactly. Shit all fucking day. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. Other than that, man, I got I got nothing left. You got anything else you want to say before we sign off of this thing? Oh, man, I just been a pleasure. Yeah. Man. I had fun doing this, and hope to do more. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, doing more, and I appreciate you letting me come by and hang out and sure. talk with me for a little bit, drink a little. Yeah, man. We drank a little Suntory shit. I don't know if we want to make drinking a part of it, but fuck it. Why not other other podcasts, too? This podcast is not really brought to you by, but kind of sponsored by uh, Suntory Whiskey, Japanese whiskey, one of the oldest distilleries in Japan. Pretty fuck smooth. Yeah. <laughs> But this shit, whatever it's whatever it's supposed to be, it's pretty fucking good. I would recommend it. I'm amazed you can get it in stores now. It, like five years ago, you get a bottle for like a hundred bucks. Now this stuff, I don't know if this is like maybe this is just the cheap stuff and it's not that great. Maybe there's better shit, but it's all right for you know just regular old Japanese whiskey. All right. Well, this has been. I don't even know if I'm gonna call this. I was gonna call this two by two retro review. Perks point of view. I don't know if we want to. I don't know what what we're gonna come up with this. It's gonna be some kind of fun title. I don't know. This is gonna be some fucked up shit. I don't know. It, yeah, who knows? But anyway, I've I've been Gavin. That's all. Nigga critics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. know. How am I gonna answer that? We're talking. Um, just, well, meh, you, critics. You got the whole. You got a hook. <laughs> I told people all the time about the time where you were like, I see, you, and I was like, wait, what? And you're like, what? I was like, you just. You just called me. You were like, yeah, I did. And I was like, okay, okay. And you were like, is that a problem? I'm like, I mean, no, I just, uh, you were like, and I was like, you call me that, but I don't call you that. And you're like, no, you don't ever call me that. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm just, I don't know how the rules work, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love you too, but like, okay, cool. Thanks. I don't know. What do you say to that? That's why I'm just like, that's why now everybody is just brother because yeah, it's like, it's, it's easy to be, all right, brother, take it easy because. You can't, I mean... I know, I know. The outside world, they will see that, and I ain't trying to fight all the ass, so... Well, it's, it's funny, because, like, normally, a, a part of all these the stories we're talking about, you are usually the one that's, like, you get that out of the way pretty quickly with people. You're, yeah. like, you throw it out there, and, and some people are, like, oh, okay, all right, well, he said it, so... <laughs> obviously, I'm not going to say it, but, like, it's a, like he's not... That's not a... It's not, he's not somebody... Because we have friends, and we know people who, who don't... I mean, I man, I remember Travis going to that one kid's oh. ass at Sonic oh, because he's God. he just like, what's up, my... And he was like, the fuck did you say this? It's like, <laughs> why did you say this, dude? What the no. fuck are you doing? No. no. 
you can't say that. Like, what the fuck is your problem? And respectively, Travis was pissed off. And I was like, he should be. That, that's, yeah, that's, no. But then, like, you've said it around my dad like five times, and he fucking thinks it's hilarious that you say that shit. He's just like, perks on another level, man. I'm like, dad, he's fucking hilarious. But anyway, definitely going to look forward to doing this more. We will catch you guys next time. I don't know what this segment has been, what this show's been, but it's been fun. And we'll just keep it with that, man. And I will, we'll see, we'll, you'll listen to us later and we'll see you guys out in the world somewhere, I guess. Oh, that'll be good.